Welcome, welcome everybody. Here we are, our third podcast here. We're sitting with the lovely Heather Lieberman. Hello. Welcome, Heather. Thank welcome, you. welcome. Sup, sup. <laughs> sup, 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 sup. So, uh, well, I guess, you know, we're just going to dive right in as we normally do. And uh, I think we all want to know, you know, when did you start? How did you start? And what do you do? Um, I started like five and a half years ago. Um, I'm managing Harmon location now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been managing since a month into me working here, so that was... Really? Yeah. Is that what happened? Like, you came right out of the gates and started managing? Pretty much. Well, it was more for, like, um, managers who were on vacation, and then I would take over the week for them and, and watch it for them, and then once managers, you know, didn't want to be managing anymore, I <laughs> You're like, I'll take in. that mantle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I took over. That's awesome. Yeah. So... How, you started with Breathe, you said, what, almost five, five years, years ago? Five years ago, right? Yeah. So, right, 20, five, five years. was it 2016? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Okay. There's probably, I can only imagine from your perspective, mm-hmm. like the changes that have kind of happened. Oh, it's completely from, like, different. Then to now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, for anybody that doesn't know, um, Heather's here in Las Vegas, which yes. is where we have most of our, uh, our Breathe operation. We just kind of started the Orlando thing recently. Um, talk to me a little bit about like Vegas before COVID. Oh, um, I mean, it was crazy. Like even like the, I, cause I managed fashion show when I first started. Um, okay. and almost every single day the, the bar was completely filled up. Like it was. And fashion shows a, a shopping mall. Yeah. It's a yeah. mall. It's a mall. Um, which is one of the hardest locations to, to get people to sit because sure. you've got all those kiosks who are, you know, want to pull people in. So right. You're like, oh, auction bar, okay. <laughs> so it was a, a different breed having to to try and convince people to to come and sit. So it was it was interesting, yeah. but yeah, it was a lot more fast paced than than what it is now. But well, I mean, not so much because Harmon location is pretty fast paced. Yeah, yeah, you see a lot of people here. Yeah, but I, I can you know I came from shopping malls and from kiosks for I did it for probably six or seven years before we even started doing this. Um, this whole breathe thing and I know like stopping in a mall is hard to begin with yeah I can only imagine what it's like trying to stop people here in Las Vegas yeah because I mean everybody and their mother <laughs> is trying to stop you for something oh yeah especially the timeshare people they're oh, ruthless yeah. and oh. we had a, a booth right next door <laughs> with yeah. timeshare people so oh yeah that's right. that's right yeah I remember um, when we came two or three years ago there's I don't know if that lady's still there but there's that, that older woman who's been yeah. with timeshares for like 25 years yeah freaking killer yeah she was super sweet <laughs> like, and tried to work together which just yeah. shows you like age means nothing in that industry right I mean, oh, she's, yeah. she's like 67 years old like crushing deals left oh, and yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh i think ultimately when you look at like how kiosks work there's I, we always joked about this there's like a lot of people that walk through those malls or walk through locations and are thinking like man those those guys you know they're out here harassing folks, man. I wish they would get a real job. And like mm-hmm. secretly the kiosk person's making like eight times your salary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like just being a strong stopper, you know? Um, how long were you at fashion for? Um, oh God. Um, probably like two, two and a half years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And did so, you, sorry, so how quickly from the time you started, um, at breathe in 2016, did you make manager? Um, like full manager, probably yeah. two and a half months into it. Two and a half months? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. What do you think like propelled you that quickly? I mean, I know you said you were kind of picking up for the managers where they left off, but what do you think? Because you were working with the previous owners before we came in with yeah. Sean and Deanne. What, what kind of sparked them to say, oh, this is the girl, we're going to run with her? Um, 
just because I told him, well, from the get-go, I told him that I wanted Stratosphere location because that one was my favorite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and he laughed at that and was like, okay. And then once <laughs> once he, he heard that I wanted to be manager, once, you know, fashion show opened up, he was like, all right, Heather. And That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> was there anything, like, was there anything about the job early on that kind of, like, shocked you I guess compared to what your impression was coming coming into it what were you doing before I was working in call centers okay uh, yeah I worked in call centers for for four years um, so it was never face to face it was always you know on the phone and being able to talk to people and mute the phone and be like oh these you know these, these guys <laughs> um, which you can't really do that in front no, of people face to face that was <laughs> well, I mean, definitely a change it, doesn't help, it <laughs> doesn't help the sale at all yeah it was it was definitely a change. Um, um, so Mel, my best friend, she's been with the company for eight years, and yeah, she tried to get Mel. me in since day one. OG. <laughs> oh, OG, yeah. And I was like, oh, you have to touch people and rub people? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. 120 degrees here in the summer. It's sweaty. No, I'm yeah, good. I'm yeah. good. Touching but people's then, sweaty backs all day. Right, right. <laughs> and then my boyfriend, who was in the call center business, um, ended up getting you know laid off. And oh, man. I... It called her the, that day and was like, I need a job. I interviewed yeah. with Sean literally that day, like two hours later, and the next day I started. That's awesome. So, yeah. You know what's, <laughs> what's awesome about that is like that like instinct. I mean, I think, you know, you've been with us for a long time now, and I've, I've always seen that kind of hustler mindset from you, but it's crazy how that instinct just kicks in. Yeah. You know, yeah. like when your back's against the wall, you're just like, screw it, I'm going, right. I'll yeah. try something new. We've got a six-year-old, like, oh, yeah. we needed money. And now it's gotten to the point where he's been a stay-at-home dad for the last mm-hmm. five and a half years. And Let's go. I'm the only one making money. and <laughs> Boss lady. Yeah, and it works. Boss bitch. It works. For real? <laughs> uh, four years at a call center, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. I honestly, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, didn't know that I worked at Cytel, which is an outsourcing call center. So I worked for PlayStation, and I was helping people... Um, you know, troubleshoot their PlayStation if they couldn't get online and, and things like that and set them in for support. And we probably talked about things some like that. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> probably. How many like pissed off kids did you get? Like, my PlayStation's not working, damn it. Like, so I, many. So I many. hit the on button five times. It's not. But I ended up getting to the point where I was a supervisor on, on duty. So I was just managing the whole call center, making sure everybody was taking breaks on time and, and things like that. So for like the last two and a half years from that I didn't really have to be on the phone so that's that, was, that was nice <laughs> so it seems like that's kind of like a trend for you huh like you go into yeah. places you just mess it up and then go straight to the top yeah huh? <laughs> so I, I'm not, I mean I, I try to work hard like I try to do what I'm supposed to do and because I mean it it's my money like right I need and to, I want it now yeah <laughs> <laughs> like I'm the sole supporter of my family so I need to would you say that's like your like your biggest intrinsic motivator because we talk a lot with people about you know, external mm-hmm. and, and kind of internal motivators. And, you know, I always found that the extrin- extrinsic or external motivation only lasts you so long. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, like you start a new job, your boss is telling you have a quota, you have to hit that quota. It's kind of like an external motivator, right? Yeah. But then once you've done it a few times, like uh, you're not getting anywhere and you, you kind of get sick of that and, and that motivation kind of fades. Mm-hmm. And we always find that that internal motivation takes you so much farther. Oh, yeah. So would you say that, you know, your family, your son, that's really like what, what motivates you, what drives you the most? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You think that it's something that like, obviously it was easy for you to identify, but like, I guess I'm, what I'm asking is what tips would you give someone who's trying to find that 
intrinsic motivation that maybe doesn't have like that situation where they're the primary kind of breadwinner? Would you have any tips for somebody who's trying to find that, that motivation for themselves? Um, I don't know, like take things day by day, not really. I mean, if, it's always good to look at the whole picture of everything, but then once once you do that, it's, you know, it can be kind of overwhelming. So sure. you try to take little steps day by day and, you know, mm-hmm. try to get to that overcome or that, that whole goal. Like, right. Yeah. Is that how you <laughs> approach it? Do you approach things kind of with a, like a, a day-to-day mindset, like a routine mindset? Or yeah. How, yeah. Much, how much did your mindset change when uh, you got pregnant and then gave birth when it came to your job? Um, I mean, it... As far, as far as my job, like, I don't know if it really... Yeah, like, did your motivation change, bef- like, at all after, you know, your son came to the world? Um... Or, you know, how much passion you had or, or you know... I mean, that's a little your- different for me because I was a stay-at-home mom for the first, mm-hmm. you know, 14 months of, of my son's life. And yeah. the only reason why I started working is because my, my boyfriend got, got, laid off. got laid off. Yeah. Gotcha. So, I mean, I don't... If he had kept that job, I, I mean, things would be so different now. I don't really know where, like... Would you would you change that if you could go back in time? No, <laughs> no, I love that. Not at all. Because I'm making I'm making so much more money Let's than go. he's making. <laughs> like, there's yeah. That's awesome. I'm sure that that gives you a real sense of you know accomplishment. And, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Does it does it ever cause uh, cause friction in the household? Like, does he ever feel you know, um, like, oh man, should I be doing more? Like, oh Heather, I need to go get a job. I feel like because yeah, there's that like more. masculine piece yeah. of you that's like, I want to be the boss of my household. I'm gonna be the breadwinner. You know, like, does that ever rear up at all? Uh, not, not so much. Not so much. Um, I think he's liking it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a cool um, dude. So yeah. yeah, like he he he's basically a chef. So like, I get home and he, I've got oh, like. Man. Yeah, we've got a sous vide oh, at home. Like, I'm not living right, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get on your level, dude. That's sick. Like, I get, you know, steak and asparagus and mashed potatoes. Okay. And, like, and like the good mashed potatoes, like the Rubichon like mashed potatoes right? that are, like, half butter, <laughs> half potato. Okay. Like, yeah, he's making the good food. So that's like, that's I mean, cool. I mean, yeah. you guys have found that dynamic. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love that. It works. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a unique thing. I think in today's society, you hear a lot about it. Like, you know, there's a lot of articles written on, you know, more women being kind of the primary mm-hmm. breadwinner or kind of being the, the main source of income in the household. But I feel like I haven't seen it very often. I think your personal situation is, is probably probably one of the most inspiring ones that I hear. Yeah. And I think there's a, yeah, I think there's a lot of young women that can, can learn from that. You yeah. Know? Like, I you mean, don't. Don't get me wrong. Like he's, we've talked about like maybe I should get a part time job or, or something like that. But I'm like, why? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I like you being home. I, yeah, baby, it, we I only have one vehicle, so if he ended up getting a job, it would just make it a lot harder. You know, yeah. situating where the vehicle is going to go. But I mean, sure. why? Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I get you it. Don't need a job. <laughs> well, and and I think I think Marshall to go back to your initial question uh, about you know did having the kid change your motivation, yeah. change your your you know your desires at all. I know that in your personal situation, that was a big thing for you, right? Like when you had interested in joining the team, want to learn a little bit more about what the trade show life is like, or working at Breathe even, visit us online at breatheoxygenbar.com or poweredliving.com for inquiries. Oh, yeah. Your daughter, it kind of switched your brain completely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It does. I mean, there's nothing like holding your, your firstborn for the first time. And it's just like a light switch. It's hard. You can't even put words to it, to be honest with you. Yeah. 
So that's how I feel when I pick up my cat in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like I'm yeah. doing this for you, Pete. <laughs> you and me, we're going all the way. Yeah. Um, so a question. I, had a, I have a few questions for you, Heather. But um, one of the main questions I wanted to ask you, and something that was kind of in my head, when do you think? I mean, I know you said early on you just you know you kind of had to start working, mm-hmm. and you kind of had to start managing because it was there. But I think there's a moment for a lot of people when they decide to kind of go all in. You know, we were talking about this in the last mm-hmm. podcast with Kyle about, you know, burning the ships and really just committing to where you're at and what you're doing and what a powerful, um, you know, engine that can be. Was was there ever a moment for you where you felt like, all right, I'm all in with this. I'm committing to this business, this, this job, you know, this career path. And was that like a conscious decision or something that just happened? Um, I mean, honestly, the second I called Sean, that was the time it changed. That was it. Yeah, because I mean, once once Jason lost his job and we had zero income, I was like, we we can't we can't live like this. So that just, I mean, I've been a stay at home mom for fourteen months. Like I can, I can do this now. Mm. Like this needs to be the the thing, the thing that, that happens. Yeah. 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 So, so go ahead. Question. So has your hair always been purple? <laughs> no. Or did you turn it purple when, when you had to become the breadwinner? Did it just all right? That's it. Actually, I'm dyeing my yeah. hair purple. That's real. Honestly, yeah. Sure. Super That's Saiyan. what happened. <laughs> it was like Goku when he transformed. Yeah, I, 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 I got purple hair, literally, like, because I started here in July of 2016, and then my birthday in August, I was like, purple. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. And that was it, yeah. I feel like I've seen a lot of different shades of that purple oh, over yes. the years. Yeah. I will always be purple. It's just going to be different shades. How do you, how do you decide which purple to go with? <laughs> yeah, tell us so, about that thought. Tell us about that the thought winter, process. The winter, you have to have darker. Okay. okay. Darker. Yeah. In the summer and the spring, that's when it gets lighter. Okay, got yeah. you. Just to match with the different outfits yeah. and stuff. Yeah. What do you think? Should I go purple, Marsh? Yeah. 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 Purple for my head to toe. Yeah. What if I dyed the beard purple? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great look. That's um, incredible. Yeah, no, I mean, I, the reason why I was asking about, like, this conscious decision is just, like, because, I mean, you've been here five years now, and I have to imagine, I think, I know I've experienced, I'm sure you have, Marshall, or there's just times when, you know, you're not sure if that's what you're going to continue to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you get distracted by what's shiny, like, oh, there's maybe an opportunity over here, or business over I mean, there. You're kind of living in indecision, like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, so yeah. The, the only reason I left the call center business is because I basically capped out. I was there for so long, and I reached my limit of what I could make hourly, and there was no bonuses there was no nothing mm-hmm. like that so that I, I found another call center and that was making more and that's that's why I got out of the call center business so now that I'm here and I'm literally making my own check every week mm-hmm. or every two weeks like I honestly don't see myself leaving here yeah <laughs> well, we want you to stay forever if you leave it's in a body bag <laughs> blood in blood out blood in blood out <laughs> that's awesome so I know in, in sales, obviously, money is like a big push. You know, it's a big motivator for, for folks. Um, and, you know, I'm sure your personal income has changed, you know, a couple of times throughout doing this. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the things I try to teach a lot of the younger kids that kind of come in is how to manage the money when it's good uh, versus when it's not so great, right? Because we go okay. through sales cycles. Um, having to take care of your family that way. Were there was it something that you picked up along the way, or um, you know, like a, a way of focusing kind of your finances through the beginning of, of this job? 
So when it comes to finances, I am the worst person to talk to. Really? That's why I'm very thankful I have my boyfriend. Okay. So I make the money. And he figures out what to he do. He pays it. the bills. <laughs> he saves the money. That's awesome. He makes sure we have everything. Like, yeah. So I don't have to deal with any of that. He, do you I know, make the money and he deals with all that. Do you know <laughs> if he, uh, if, I mean, I'm sure this is a question for him and not for you, but do you know, I've always wondered this because as your income goes up in this business and you start to have more disposable income, like income kind of sitting around, mm -hmm. you have to start making decisions about what you're going to do with it. Does mm -hmm. he invest at all? Are you guys invested in anything like, you know, stock market, real estate, crypto, anything like that? Do you know? Um, we're not investing in anything like that. I mean, we've got the 401k. Um, sure, retirement. And that, yeah. Um, and we put, you know, some into savings and whatnot. Of course. But other than that, we're not really in investing in anything. Have you guys had that conversation yet? Like maybe you'd want to invest in real estate or something like that? Someday? We have. I just, I don't have the mind for that. <laughs> so I'm just like, <laughs> he starts talking about it. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> okay, cool. maybe. <laughs> like, sounds good. <laughs> I'm going to go back and slam some wireless today. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Now, I, I just, I'm starting to, to ask this question more often because, um, I think it's important like we we saw kind of like the biggest bull run ever this last year where like pretty much every investment category yeah went insane you didn't have to know what you're doing you just participated and it was yeah. going up everybody was a genius i mean you could put money in any stock it went through mm -hmm. the roof you could buy any house it went through the roof and i know a lot of folks that are working with us uh, at least i get this question a lot is like they feel like they missed out yeah on that opportunity you know and so something i've been trying to drive home is like it's never too late you know, to start figuring out what to do with that. Mm -hmm. Like you can be early in a lot of things. Like I know folks are afraid to buy houses right now, but like, cause the market's so hot, but damn, buy the house. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. You know? Like I always say, time in market beats timing in market, you know? Right, you just, just being exposed to it in the first mm -hmm. place. Yeah, I mean, you just, you're you're at risk when you get in and then you get scared and you get out. But even if it goes down for a little bit, as long as you're staying, you know, holding it for a while. Right. It's it will, it will go up. That's one thing that we know for sure. Everything will be more expensive. It keeps moving. Yeah. Yeah. If you just compare, I was we were in San Francisco uh, a weekend ago. We were at a, a festival um, outside lands and we went to like this old school like arcade. Oh, it was so cool. They had like all these like yeah. original like arcade machines from like the 30s and the 40s and I stuff like that. I'm going there in December. I'm going to have to check it out. Oh, you got to check it out. Yeah. If you go to if you go to San Francisco, it's near the I think it's called Fisherman's Wharf. Yeah, Fisherman's yeah, Wharf. We're, yeah, we're going there. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, there's a right next to this big battleship, there's like a, this arcade museum. And so there's a bunch of old machines. Anyways, point that I'm getting at is a lot of these machines took a penny or That's two pennies. Cool. Now, if you just compare that to today, yep. yeah. if you want to go to an arcade, it's going to cost you at least a dollar for license. Most games are like two or three dollars now. Okay. Yeah. Not even a dollar anymore. So if that, that one stuck with me, I was like, oh man, if you if you don't believe inflation is real, like mm -hmm. look at that shit yeah. right there. I mean, you're talking about 100x <laughs> or 200x yeah. from what it was. We're talking 70, 80 years ago. So, yeah, but yeah, crazy. you guys got to go check that out. You'll have a blast. Totally. I got my ass whipped in every game <laughs> because uh, my girlfriend, Alessandra, is very competitive. Super. <laughs> Understatement. Me. Oh my god! The only thing that I won. It's fun to watch. Uh, when she kicked my ass in in, uh, in air hockey, of course, in front of my family, my sister and her boyfriend got to witness that. That was great. Um, I think that. What did I win? Oh, foosball. Oh. Um, I don't think they have foosball in Venezuela. No. Mm -mm. <laughs> no. They don't have that there. So. Yeah. So I lost that. But yeah, next time you guys are out there, you should definitely check it out. Um, okay. So another question that I had. Um, what do you think? has influenced you or who do you think has influenced you most kind of in this business like when you're adapting your style like your personal style or approach to sales or was it something that you just kind of developed on your own 
Um, I think it was just honestly watching everybody and taking every little thing that I liked of everybody else's pitch and make it my own, basically. Um, so, I mean, I guess, like, everybody in the company has really contributed to that just because everyone has their own way of, of doing things and pitching things and mm-hmm. explaining everything. So... Is there, is there any... Was there any one person or, like, one scenario or you just, like... You just really took from everyone that you saw. Melissa, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> so how long had Mel been here for before you started, Dina? Um, three, right? Yeah, three years. Oh wow. Yeah, so and like I said, she was trying to get me in since day one, but I was comfortable in my call center. Does that mean she's been <laughs> eight years with this company? Now? Yeah, that's freaking insane. Yeah, that's insane. Sometimes I think I've been in this a long time, and then I hear stuff like that. It blows my mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so even before I started working here, like I would go and visit her. And she would do treatments on me, and I would sit like customer and stuff. And so yeah. I kind of knew stuff about it already yeah. just by having it done on me. How do you how do you keep like yourself learning in these in, in this this industry? Like I know a lot of people pick up a little bit of information and kind of stop when they think they're good. But you're I see like you're always personally progressing, and your numbers keep getting better. Um, I mean customers a lot of the time they like. I mean, there's a lot of you know different types of people who are doing the treatments and stuff and a lot of like physical therapists chiropractors things like that so like i'll explain something and they'll you know that's how i learned the the word fascia is from a <laughs> is from a physical therapist okay. yeah they're like if you use the word fascia they'll they'll love you they'll, they'll know everything like yeah they'll know you know everything but i love that like, yeah so i'll you know pick up little things from from all over you know? yeah i feel like people don't recognize the strength and just like talking to your customer yeah, yeah. <laughs> not just pitching one-sided conversations yeah. just actually engaging in dialogue listen yeah yeah it's like i think so many salespeople get caught up in like i'm gonna give the most rock tight ironclad pitch and they're just gonna buy because of all these great words i said yeah <laughs> you know and then you end up with this long ass monologue and you're exhausted by the end yeah. of it mm-hmm. and your customer's like okay do you have a card <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're still gonna be here later. Okay, all right, that's my favorite question. Are you guys always here? Yeah, are you always here? Do you get that at the store here in Vegas? Do they ask yeah. you? Are you always here? Oh yeah, yeah. How do you respond to that? I'm like, yeah, but you're here right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder because, like, back in the day when we had carts, yeah. it kind of made sense. It kind of made. Are sense you always here? Yeah. Because the carts come and go. But lady, I'm in a store. Like, like what no, you... we're gonna pick up the physical store. We're gonna move it down the street a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Next year when you come, we're gonna be the other side of town. We just did this for fun right now. Um, where do you think, Heather? Where do you think you draw like inspiration to continue like moving forward, facing kind of the day to day challenges of this job? Because things change. I mean, sometimes we're in great moods and we're in these great streaks and. Every week we're crushing it and things keep moving. And then, as you saw probably with the Delta variant, yeah, yeah, we dealt with this little correction. Like things kind of slowed down all of a sudden. And, you know, most salespeople were riding that gravy train, mm-hmm. buying new shoes, getting a new bag, yeah. you know, taking vacations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> buying a car. Yeah, yeah. buying a car. <laughs> and then this happens. Um, where would you say you draw that inspiration from personally? Um, I mean, my son is definitely my inspiration, obviously. Like he's my everything yeah um how old is he now he's six six. yeah Yeah, he's six he doesn't look like a six-year-old though he's ginormous um baby yeah yeah (laughs) yeah isn't your boy your boy's what 10 now nine no he's eight oh is he eight yeah that shows how big he is no and i i have to check myself because i treat him like he's older because even i'm forgetting how young he actually is Oh yeah, that's yeah. He's eight. He's looks like a ten year old. I was gonna say he comes up to like my chest. 
That's a big boy. Well, you should see him around other kids the same age. It's, it's like crazy. Like he did in and jiu-jitsu. Uh, so we actually just started Muay Thai together. We That's ju- awesome. We just started. Oh, yeah. I finally got a, a hobby that we can do together that he finally agreed to. So, That's yeah, we're awesome. doing Muay Thai kickboxing. Because I think grappling is a little weird at first for some people, like being that close. Yeah. And the pressure and all that kind of stuff. So, But he, he loves you know, punching a punching bag, so. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you going to do, like, a Cobra Kai thing? Where yes. You have, like, your... 100%. <laughs> yeah. Have you watched that show? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's great. So good. <laughs> Ralph Macchio came back as mm-hmm. the karate... And is still, like, as great an actor as he was back then. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that series. You should start that, honestly. I think we should start one in Orlando. Yeah? That'd be sick, yeah. It'd be dope. Yeah. <laughs> um, Heather, you know... Hey guys, quick message for you. Uh, a lot of times in these podcasts, we're talking about the business that we do, the products that we sell. Um, if you guys are not currently affiliated with us and you're interested in selling the products, especially retailer, or even if you're not in the industry and you just wanted to get a hold of some information about the products, you can DM Marshall Taran directly at Marshall Taran on Instagram or visit us online at poweredliving.com. I, I think transitioning so quickly from an employee to a manager to like managing one location to the next location to now you know, pretty much like a crown jewel, like a, a big, you know, one of our, our best locations in the company. Um, there's a lot of challenges moving from place to place and moving from, you know, job to job. What do you think was like your biggest challenge trans- transitioning from, let's say like a smaller store like Strat to like a bigger store now like Harmon? Um, I mean, each location has their own energy. So I feel like that maybe was like, not necessarily like a, I don't know, that was like, just every bar has their own energy. So like the stratosphere, they have like the crazy party people, like the the mall, they have their, you know, the more pristine people who are, you know, trying to go to Gucci and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, and Harmon is, is, you know, more of the, the party end. So I think just like the energy just the energy here was like like trying to adapt to that energy or yeah. like okay how, yeah. how long did it take you to get comfortable with the change in energy um i mean it didn't take too long okay. i mean just you know trying to read the room and everything and you know because i know you were nervous going over oh i'm so nervous nervous is not the word she was panicked yeah <laughs> well just because stratosphere it was like i would get maybe five people in one shift and then i came into Harmon and i was like you have five people in, in ten minutes. Just ten minutes, yeah. and I was like, okay, so this is. I mean, because through the pandemic, like it, you know, was completely different. So it dried up, yeah. Yeah, like before, I was used to the the heavy flow and you know, you know, multitasking and all of that. So once it got slower and I, you know, lost that that flow and having to get back into it, that was the probably the hardest thing. But I wonder if during that like slower period, because you do a great job of selling devices, I wonder if during that slower period you like help to kind of hone in or like develop your like one-on-one sales skills yeah I would make the sessions a lot longer (laughs) just to you know build a rapport more um also build an attraction because if they see people sitting at the bar like oh what are they doing like Uh I want to see what they're doing too so that's why I would draw it out a little bit longer when it's slower do you still do that now oh yeah when it's slower totally yeah like if you have somebody on the line like if you're like a great session with somebody how long does it normally last for you like 20 minutes 40 minutes an hour um like a to do the whole session, it only takes like 20 minutes. No, I mean, I mean like one where you end up like selling like a big ticket, you know, like. Oh, probably like an hour. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. That's interesting because I always felt like, like for me personally, 
the longer that I went with somebody, the, like the less magic I had with them. But that's just because I'm a clown. Yeah, it's because you're a clown. You're a comedian. <laughs> you can only be so funny, It'll be for, funny so long. for so long. Yeah. yeah, and then once the jokes were out, they're trying to make decisions. I'm like, so, <laughs> what do you think about that? Uh, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just like losing material at that point. I don't know that I could sit with somebody for that's 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 it. What do you talk about for an hour? I mean everything, like their life, like what they do for a living, like, um, I mean everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you inject like a lot of your, like your personal situation, your personal life, or like things about you, like in the demonstration? Oh, absolutely, have? absolutely, and obviously, like everyone's different, so it's easier to you know build more rapport with the the type of people that you hang out with versus you know people who are going to give you nothing. But I mean, just trying to push and you know ask them questions and stuff mm. like and get them to talk no, how, how, do you, how do you determine that like when you've got somebody in front of you that's like you know they're, they're talking like a lot or or you've got somebody that's really quiet like how do you determine your approach um oh god I mean I don't know like <laughs> it's just natural for you yeah like obviously the people who are you know I ask them oh where are you guys from um California Oh, what are, you, what are you guys doing today? What do you, what do you guys have planned? Uh-huh. Dinner. Like, it, it's uh, obviously a lot harder to, you that's know, me. push through. Yeah, I was going to say, that's Marshall, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Someone trying to tell me something. Yeah. yeah. How do you, I mean, obviously you've broken through that. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners would like to know, like, what's your personal approach to breaking? Because my personal thing is always comedy. I'm always like, when they start with that shit, I'm like, listen, do me a favor. You need to calm down. Like, you're way too excited about this right now, and you're scaring people around you, so just, like, listen, just bring it down from, like, a 10 to, like, a, you know, and it starts to open them up. Yeah. I, I wonder how you handle it. How does um, it I don't know. I don't know. I never guess thought it, about that, huh? No, I really haven't. I really haven't. Um, I guess I just try to talk about, like, what we're doing at, at that point, like, if I'm massaging them, like, oh, how, how's the pressure? How's it feeling? Like you know, asking where their pain is and stuff like that and trying to get them to talk about themselves um, more so than what they're going to be doing for the day, I guess. Like, okay. necessarily, like, um, like oh, you said your, your pain is right here. Why is that? Like, what, what happened? Gotcha. What, mm-hmm. Why do you think that, you know? What, so you, like, kind of yeah. switch from the rapport building right. to more of, like, the determining, like, right. where they have issues. Yeah, like, if they're not giving me anything, like, what they're going to be doing for the day or, what you know, what they're here for vacation or, you know, having fun, you know, things like that. Like, I try to just, Focus no, where's your pain? Like, right. let's let's try to fix your pain right now. Like, ha- yeah. yeah. <laughs> when do you, like, when do you decide, like, they're, they're so closed up, like, you're just going to drop the demo? Like, or do that, does that ever happen for you? Do you ever just, like, this person's not giving me anything, I'm moving on? Um, I mean, at the end of the treatment, at the, I mean, once yeah. I'm about to cash them out, like, good for you, because I mean, that's I, way better than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I have somebody that's not giving me anything after like ten minutes, I'm like, okay, your session's done. You said this was twenty minutes. I'm like, yeah, it was twenty minutes. But I just checked my phone. I'm like, yeah, time moves fast in here. <laughs> Snatch the pads right off their back. No, I try. I still try to to try to break them out of their shell and still try to like, you know, keep get, moving, get something from them. Yeah. yeah. What's your like, um, like, I feel like we talk about this a lot of times, like when you, like, you know, your client, like, mm-hmm. you know, that type of person that's like your bread and butter. Yeah. Who's, who's like your target market? Yeah. That's a good question. Oh, my Who's like your target market. for, for um, Heather? Like you see them and you're like, oh, I'm about to mess them up. <laughs> like you just know. Um, honestly, like a, a couple who's in their like late forties, early fifties, like a, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like an older couple. Yeah. 
where yeah. do you find where do you find your end there? Like, where's your how, how do you, how yeah. do you know like when you've got that person? Like, what's 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 your go to like your rapport building thing? Like when they're already seated or like yeah, because like for like for I'll tell you for instance with me like I know that I'm from the South. I'm from North Carolina. And so when I get Southerners or, like, people that grew up in that area, like, I know how to approach it. Oh, I think we lost the AC. <laughs> That's going to be fun to edit out later. Um, <laughs> the uh, the uh, the Southerners, like, I know, like, oh, I'm going to throw on the accent. Oh, I'm going to talk about, like, you know, Southern food. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. Or I'm going to talk about church. I'm like, oh, I, I, I can see you catching the Holy Ghost with that massager on your back right now, right? <laughs> Praise Jesus. You know, like, I know, like, what I'm going for to kind of, like, that type of person, like, the ones that I'm working on. So when you see like your people, is there is there something that you know you're gonna start to talk about or a direction you're gonna go in, or you just kind of play it by ear? I just play it by ear, honestly. That's yeah. that's that's honestly it's incredible that that you're able to do all like so much of this just from the hip. Yeah, yeah. I mean she's I mean if you think about it, it's she's uh, trying to mirror her, mirror her her clients, you know. Um, yeah. You know, just really trying to mirror the client, and it, it works. It works. It's obviously working. So <laughs> I feel like that's kind of what you do, Marshall. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you, I mean, you don't give a ton of your, I mean, I think you do give some of the stuff like, you know, the veteran stuff, and, yeah. you know, being from Vegas and some of the business things that you do when you're talking to people. But I feel like a lot of times when I've seen you in situations, like you really try to mirror the person. I think, yeah, it's very, very important. Yeah. yeah. I'm not good at that at all. <laughs> That's because you're just the comedian guy. <laughs> no, I just struggle with it because I'm like, <laughs> I, like, I want them to mirror me, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> too, too narcissistic for that stuff, you know? <laughs> I'm like, why would I mirror that body language? They should have my body language. <laughs> is that is that something that you had even like in the call center days? Like, because when you're not dealing with somebody face to face, and you have to like mirror like pace and tone and like you know like the way that they're speaking, is that something that you did then as well? Or I think that might be where I kind of got it from, just because we had like a, a structure that we had to hit. That's why we listened to our calls all the time because okay. we had to make sure that we hit like every every point we were supposed to. Um, customer service was always my like my main thing um yeah so like not talking over the customers making sure you're you know i mean personable like you've got to be personable otherwise like nobody's gonna want to talk to you right (laughs) did you guys have like a script that you had to read from oh yeah we were robots Robots, 100%. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always wondered that because I thought, like, maybe the good people that, that were in that business, like, kind of went off the script pretty nope, often. we weren't allowed no, to. Yeah. We weren't allowed we're to. really strict in those yeah. call centers. We oh, couldn't yeah. have anything over five seconds of dead air. We couldn't be on, we couldn't put them on hold for longer than 30 seconds. We couldn't, like, it was, it was crazy. So, so how does somebody, like, rise to the top in that business? Because if you're just reading from a script 24-7, you're kind of at the mercy of the people you have on the call, right? That's why they had, um, like, coaches and supervisors and supervisor on duty and things like that that was going to the top basically gotcha and that once i was the supervisor on duty for like two years then and you could switch the script a little bit right well i i, I was on the phone at that point I, oh okay. yeah so i loved it until i couldn't make any more money and then i was like why am mm. i still here gotcha <laughs> no yeah i just wonder that because even i know customers it's not like you're closing deals whatever over the phone and right. customer service but still it's just like I always felt like whenever I get a call for someone or if I have to call in for a service, whenever the person is like personable and not yeah. just giving me BS, it's a lot easier for me to talk to them. Oh, yeah. Like I hate well, the thing I hate. I just had to call Amazon about this the other day. I called Amazon and I was having an issue with something trying to work with their FBA. And everything that I said, the guy repeated it. Yeah. 
that fucking that frustrates it the hell. Drives me crazy. Bro. I can't stand it. I mean, oh I get God. the There's first. There's certain time. times to do that. There's certain times just to ensure like you're listening and you know your customer's problem. But if you're continuously, yeah, that's no, that's not. Yeah, good. I'm like, it's yeah, like, bitch, I know you heard me. Right, right. right. <laughs> okay, I'm pretty sure my phone's working, but. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to reiterate it the first time. Like, hey, I'm having problems with Amazon Catalog. Okay, sir, so I understand your issue is Amazon Catalog. I'm like, yeah, I'm having problems with it. Yeah, I understand you're having problems with it. I'm like, are we going to do this the whole time? Because this is going to get Especially after you're on hold for like an hour, right? Bro, I'm like, this is going to get really tough to talk to you, you know? And then I'm just trying to be an asshole and see if I can like sneak stuff in between it so he'll repeat it. I'm like, yes, it's not working right now. And he's like, oh, it's not working right now? Yeah, I know, right? What's worse? What's worse is that the people that do that are always like not able to help you. You're just gonna get transferred again. Yes. I'm like, why did you need to? Yes, just take my problem and give me to somebody who can help me. Yeah, they throw you around to 35 different supervisors, and then by the time you get someone that can help, you're just exhausted. I think that's the tactic. Yeah. You're exhausted, so you're just like, listen. Take anything you can get. If you can fix it, cool. If you can't, just let me go, Amazon. Just, just hang up, please. Um. Yeah, so I, I, I think transferring some of the stuff that you did in customer service from that business to this business probably helped you a lot. Now that you're at kind of the place that you're at, do you ever think about like what's next? Like what you would want to do beyond kind of managing or, or being, you know, the position that you're in? Um, honestly, because I take it day to day, I, I really have it. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, have it. So what, what do you enjoy most about what you do right now making people feel good yeah I mean because every time I like I interview somebody I always tell them um, you know where you're trying to give them a great experience trying to make them feel amazing and you know have a, an amazing experience but then also try to sell them anything and everything we possibly can of course so I love that we're able to you know make people feel good and make make money yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> Have you, ever, have you ever had a crying customer yet that, that actually like started crying because because of how the, happy they were absolutely yeah. I had a woman just um, a few weeks ago who had a stroke on her left side and she couldn't open up her hand and I put the gloves on her and she was able to start moving it and that's amazing yeah that's so incredible yeah, yeah. I, think so. I think it's moments like that that where you really like take a step back and be like wow this is this is different than yeah. just you know like being at a call like center I started crying I'm like oh my oh. god <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those moments get you and it's it's you know I always I always feel bad because like I want other people that we're trying to to show the products to to know that yeah and so like you almost want to see if you can get like hey I know you're like crying like crazy and you're disgusting but can we just get like a photo <laughs> <laughs> like I feel bad but I want to show people later like yeah it really does work you know so and it in um, Icon Park in Orlando, there's a back like area with a small office area. There's actually a photo that I think it was the first photo that was taken of a crying customer. Aww. And it's our employee at the time, Nikki, actually like holding her, like not just holding her, but like embracing her Aww. as like you can see her like her whole facial expression, just like tearing up. That's awesome. It's like such a special photo to have up there. Yeah. And it's, because it, it always serves as a reminder, like wow. I mean, yes, it sells. Right. Yes. I mean, there's all different kind of products, but it, when you get one of those, man, it, it changes you. It puts, it puts a lot of perspective. It does, and it's also it's also one of those things that makes you realize like you're you're working in an industry or in a space that you can truly benefit people and improve their lives. You know, and I think I'm the first one to forget about that sometimes, but uh, I think just understanding the power that you have with the products that we're selling. And I, I really think that's a rare situation to be in. Mm-hmm. I can't really think of any other 
sales job, more or less, if mm-hmm. you wanted to kind of concentrate it all the way down to the, the simplest thing, that you can really say that about. Yeah. You know? Um, and you're selling a car. I mean, that's great. People need cars. You're selling a house. People need houses. I mean, selling insurance. People need insurance. And it helps them. But, like, yeah, when you've got somebody who's got tremendous back pain mm-hmm. or their knees busted or their foot's broken or whatever, and they use this and they see some relief, uh, that's powerful stuff. Well, especially it's an over-the-counter product, and they went through therapy or their doctors, and for some reason they didn't get one along the way. Yeah, they didn't know. But about we are able to provide it. That's always, and it's it's always a tough hump to get over with the customer because they're like, I don't understand why my doctor didn't show me this. Yeah, you know, and you don't want to be like, well, your doctor's crap. Um, <laughs> Big pharma. Yeah, because, yeah, they just want to sell you drugs. I mean, that's yeah. honestly the elephant in the room. Yeah, and sometimes I sound like like a conspiracy theorist when I'm telling the customer that I'm like, well. Do they have you on medication? You know why that is? Because <laughs> they want to keep you on it. Just getting off subject really quick, you guys yeah. need to watch Dope Stick. What is it? Dope Stick. Dope Stick. Is it like um, a documentary? It's, uh, no, it's a show, and it's all about um, the pharmaceutical company and um, what is it, hydrocodone or whatever, when it first oh, came out. Oh, wow. Boy. And how, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing show. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it'll open your that. eyes. I'm watching that as soon as possible. Then. Dude, yeah. that, the opioid crisis, I mean, I'm just glad that finally people started to acknowledge that it's a real thing it's so i mean one of my best friends in high school i mean he took he was a star football player i mean he was um uh, already getting scouted his sophomore year i think actually was getting looks by scouts that freshman year and was actually getting scouted his sophomore year he took a mean hit and messed up his knee and this was the beginning of the opioid crisis yeah and the doctor just over prescribed oxycontin and to a you know to a uh a high school kid because they kept telling everybody that it's not addictive, addictive. Right. And, and long story short you know four or five years later right when I got back from the from the Marine Corps I mean unfortunately I, I had to be a pallbearer at his funeral for oh a heroin God. overdose God. you know so like the whole opioid crisis is very close to home because I, I watched it Watch show. unravel <laughs> I remember when it was just prescribed you know everywhere yeah. rapidly yeah. you know rapidly mm-hmm. and plus also you know the, the economics and the money behind you know prescribing that stuff well and there's also a big kind of um i wouldn't say like a like an issue well maybe there is an issue with it but like with with veterans like yourself coming back and and the va just prescribing them like crazy oh yes yeah. giving them like infinite access to ridiculous amount of painkillers muscle relaxers drugs stuff like that mm-hmm. and it's 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 always been a shocking thing to me that like and i guess you just follow the money right but it's just shocking to me that all of that stuff is covered by your insurance or given to you for free but like basics like chiropractic care acupuncture physical therapy all these Holistic things took things. forever mm-hmm. yeah to get to a place where they would even cover like a part of it, yep. you know, and it, it's just uh, it's just unreal, really, when you think about it. So, and it, it takes time for the you know entry level person to really understand that because everything's so new, so right, like, right. You yeah. know, but getting them to understand that really on, I think, is really very important. That's, you, know? you know, that's something I haven't thought about when we're like training folks or bringing new people on, because I mean, we talk a lot about like the mission and purpose behind yeah. what we do, mm-hmm. and that could be a great mission. I'm just telling someone like, hey, you have the opportunity to help someone like prevent themselves from getting in that situation because it happens all the time. I tell all my customers, this is an alternative taking a pain pill. Yeah. This is something you use instead of taking any type of pain medication. You yeah. can use it every day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really view that, you know, other distributors or other uh, auction bars, whatever, they're not really the competition. The real competition is a pharmaceutical company. The pharmaceutical companies and then like the sentiment that people have that their doctors are the only folks with knowledge mm-hmm. and they're the gatekeeper to any therapy or care that they should be doing. Yeah. 
And that's always ironic to me because it's always the people who are in the worst pain, like my doctor would never let me do that. And I'm like, are you still in pain? Has <laughs> yeah. your doctor fixed that yet? Well, then maybe we should try something else. Okay. Like, it, it sucks because, you know, t- to some extent, they should feel like, like if they're in a small town, like I honestly do believe and have faith in like a small town doctor that's been there like their whole life and, and seen, you know, uh, it was a pediatrician and then watched the same kids in the small town grow up. And then like there's a difference between that kind of doctor and that kind of uh, medical community in a small town versus what we see today where they, you know, these doctors, they get their degrees, then they go get, um, they go, uh, you know, somewhere else to work for a while and they end up op- opening their own practice. Right. And it ends up turn like I can see it. My marketing brain sees the signs everywhere. Right. Like this is this is operating like a business. This is a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to they, they care about you know scaling overhead and, and volume and and all and all market your systems and market exposure. Yeah. Like that's where okay. And then you can kind of see when you sit when you actually go to those doctors for some visits, you can tell like a you know, okay, I checked your blood pressure. You're fine. Go away. Hundred fifty dollar bill. Yeah. You know, it's like no, I came here for a reason. Like, refer me to a secondary or third, you know, specialist. You know, or yeah, something. Something. Yeah, just give me an opportunity, right? And I think we're the we're one of the only countries that is as you know advanced as we are, being kind of like a quote unquote first world country um, or society that you know doesn't have that type of medical care. Like, it's all based around you know chasing the dollar. Yeah. And it's it's truthfully, I mean, that's a whole different conversation, probably for a different date. But yeah, we're going off the rails a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> no, because I mean, this, this is always what happens. Um, you know, it's it's a it's really a symptom of like like capitalism as a whole. The fact yeah. that that's kind of influenced the medical you know um, industry, and it yeah. shouldn't. That that in my mind is the one thing. Like I'm very pro capitalist. Don't get me wrong, but it's the one thing in my mind well, that it's not capitalistic. If right. you really think about it, right? It's not. I mean, it's you. There's too much controls. Right. You well, know. yeah, it's capitalistic with, it's, yeah. with a sense of, you know, authoritarianism as well, because you have yeah. to go to these specific doctors to do mm-hmm. these specific things. Yeah. But right. my point being is, like, I think it's one of the only things that we should do, like, we should come collectively and find a way to socialize it and make yeah. it accessible to everyone and keep prices low and give people the options yeah. to really get the care that they want. I mean, you see people who are on insulin and it's freaking, you know. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands of dollars. Yeah, I, I I just saw my grandmother the other day. She has a severe COPD, and she was talking about how she's she has to pay twenty bucks a month, and the insurance pays another like a hundred and hundred and twenty dollars a month. But how long she's had COPD, she could have bought her own oxygen generator three times. Oh jeez! But they won't sell her one. Right. Like she's like, no, I'll give you cash, swipe my card, I'll buy my own gen- oxygen generator. Yep. For my COPD, but no, this is the only thing that we offer. It's a the monthly subscription. They have to stay on it now. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think to, to cycle back to kind of, you know, how we impact that and what we do with this business is it's like, yeah, I think sometimes newer folks, even seasoned people, like we might get concerned about like the money that we're asking for. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point, sales. very good point. Yeah, You know, we're like, oh, do you, re- do you really think they'll spend $800 on this device? You know, you think they'll spend $1,000 on this device if, you know, but truthfully, some folks will spend that and more just mm-hmm. to get out of doing what they're doing currently. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like it's not that big of an obstacle or like a barrier mm-hmm. to entry for them, you, but we just don't feel it because we don't experience that. Yeah, like I've never had a major issue like that. Thank God, you know, knock on yeah. wood. I've never, you know, snapped my back or broke my knee or anything where I would mm-hmm. have to go. And you didn't. Do you didn't blow out your back picking up Pete. Okay, listen, <laughs> my cat. <laughs> my cat is only t- twenty pounds. Last we took him to the vet, they said he was within. 
the weight he should be. <laughs> I don't believe that for one bit. Who, did you pay him off? <laughs> Listen, this was this was years ago. Last time I took him to the vet, though. So that's like that's like my go-to because people when I say that they're like, "Oh, he just took him to the vet and he's fine." Now this was two years ago, so he probably has gained more weight since then. He's probably like slightly overweight, but I mean, what's the point? Who wants like a skin? Like your cats are skinny. <laughs> Nobody wants like a skinny ass homeless looking cat, bro. I want my cat. Homeless? Yeah, bro. My cats eat good. I want my cat to be. They just hunt lizards. That's they why. Lizards. That's why they're fit. Pete that's why they're fit. They hit. They hunt lizards. Some geckos. That's awesome. No, we don't. He gets wet food like two times a day. Well, that's true. <laughs> All right. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we cats again. Yeah. So before we go too far down like the cat uh, uh, <laughs> rabbit hole or the cat hole, I don't know what you would say there. Um, a lot of the, the the people that were excited to have you on, Heather, we got some folks in Orlando who were like, well, you need to interview Heather. Aww. Please, I want to know what Heather's doing. We actually have uh, a couple that, that uh, manages some of our stores down there that uh, they're looking at possibly coming up here for um, her 21st birthday. And they're like, well, you have to work a shift with Heather. That's awesome. Yeah, you're, totally like, down. you're like a celeb over there. That's awesome. Um, but a lot of them are like new managers. Like they, I wouldn't say it's kind of like you where you went from like one month or two months like straight into it. Um, well, I mean, Natalie kind of did. Yeah. I mean, Natalie she, got thrown right into it. Yeah. She worked for like like two weeks and we're like, okay, good luck. <laughs> Here's your store. Run with it. Um, and I've always looked at you and, and we've had that discussion before. Like you're such a great you know person as far as team building goes and developing like a family and like any place that you go, your people just adore you. They do. They're yeah. like a magnet to you. And, and it speaks a lot to your character. But and I know this is a tough question. It's not like an easy answer to it, but. What what do you think that you would give advice? You know, what type of tips would you give to like a new manager who's trying to develop that or trying to kind of synthesize that? Um, just try to care about your team like you do about your family. If they have issues, don't just brush them off. Try to listen to them and see if there's anything you can do to help. And if not, try to, you know, give a solution of what they can do to help themselves. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> so how often are you? Do you feel like you're blending the the line of you know, work and personal life with your staff? Like when, when issues come up or like, are you, um, like there's a, there's a, there's a saying that I, I used to hear that I actually like that the most powerful uh, thing that a, that a CEO has is, uh, is the chair in his office. Yeah. You know, for like people to come talk to. Like, so do you see yourself um, in situations or do you think, do you think that you're um, like one of your strong suits of why you're successful is that ability to really, um, you know, talk about issues or help with issues maybe outside I mean, of work. Yeah. Or, yeah. Because, I mean, like, if, if, if they tell me, you know, I, I can't come in today, I ask them why. Mm-hmm. You know, I see if there's anything I can do. Um, I mean, there have been multiple times where, you know, my, my people can't find a ride or their cars, you know, messed up, and I've gone and picked them up and brought them to work. Wow. Just because, you know, I know they need to make money. It's not like they don't want to come to work that day. They just couldn't make it. And so, so what happens... The, so walk me through the situation. New employee tries to call out. Then you get that phone call like, hey, like, I can't make it, my ride, you know, whatever. And you say, I'm going to come get you. From there, they go to work, you know, you pick them up. What is it like after that? Like, like how is that relationship after you go above and beyond for that person? I mean, great. Like, Isaiah's one of the ones that I've had to, to pick up because, you know, he had truck issues and couldn't start it, and, you know, you know it's great. <laughs> like, like, did you see, like, did you feel like an immediate shift, like, afterwards of, uh, like, trust? With, like, you can feel the trust between oh, the two. Oh, absolutely. Like, in the relationship, right? Like, he was profusely, like, you know, 
thanking me and you know you know offering me money like I'll give you money like to you know for gas I'm like no it's it's fine like I, I appreciate you just actually coming in and not mm-hmm. you know what I imagine because it's genuine yeah like it's coming like for, just because I know you, I know that this is—it's coming from the kindness of your heart and not from a malicious intent of like, I need you to work, someone I can pick you up. You know what I mean? Yeah, you need to work no, so I can get my it's, bonus. It's nothing like yeah. that. It's—it's it's right. more like you know, can I help you? Like if 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 I come and get you, are you cool with that? Like, yeah, come and get me. Like, and I think you know what's funny is I think that's such a great example of mm-hmm. like when we talk about going above and beyond for each other. That's that's the stuff that we mean. It's, yeah. it's situations like that. Like sometimes we just think about like, oh, well, I'll split the sale or I'll give them a deal, you know, because they're not doing well today. But like it's stuff like that, mm-hmm. in my opinion, that goes so much farther. The relationships that I've built with, you know, the guys that are still here after four or five, yeah. six years, it's from situations yeah. just yeah. like that. Like you want to make your money. You just can't be greedy about it. Like there, there have been times where like, you know, a couple months ago, Shara had sat somebody and she wasn't feeling good. So she had to go to the bathroom. She's like, you can have this person. She, I know they're going to be a, a, a stem sale. Like, I know they're going to buy a true stem, but you can have them. And sure enough, I sold them a true stem. And yeah. I'm like, you already knew that was going to be a stem sale. I'm splitting that with you. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, that, that's a very good demonstration of uh, being selfless. It's a really important quality to have. Yeah. Yeah. You have to find and, those little ones that kind of move you along. Yeah, and, and with the uh, you know picking them up, like I, I used to call this uh, call being a flat tire friend. You know, if you can be a flat tire friend with your mem- you know with your staff and your team, and what I mean by that is like if a flat tire friend is someone that you know that if you got a flat tire at three in the morning They're and you called, there, yeah. and they would answer and be there for you. And in today's day and age, that's actually kind of hard to find. It is it's super rare. It's another yeah. reason why Mel and I are best friends. Oh really? Oh, because of a flat tire. <laughs> Yeah, I was eating beef jerky and found out that it was moldy mid-drive, and instead of turning, I went straight and hit a median and popped both of my tires on my passenger, my driver's side. And I'm really trying to visualize out. this right now. No, yeah, like, me too. I'm just like, oh like, my god, this beef jerky! Yeah, it was so horrible. It was so horrible. And yeah, how does she, first of all, how does beef jerky? I mean, this I can't stay here long. Thank but you. How does beef jerky get moldy? Thank like, you. It's jerky. Yeah. If there's I don't any, know. If there are any it was jerky the Jack experts. Links. It was oh, Jack yeah, Links, okay? Yeah. If we have any jerky jerky experts I'm listening to the podcast. I'm my jerky. Yeah, for yeah. now on, dude. Please, like, Just weigh in. Because I don't want to hit a median. <laughs> dude, what in the hell? You know, it's something so I was going to say on that, and, and I think it's it's interesting that you that you go that approach, is, like, I think a lot of folks, myself included, like, if I got a message like that, like, hey, I'm going to have to miss my shift, you know, my car broke down. Mm-hmm. Like, I think instinctively, just because I'm scorned a lot of times yeah. from this industry, I'd be like, okay, BS, you're just trying to call out. Yeah. Like, you don't want to, you don't want to be here, you know? And, like, I think that speaks a lot to, um, you know, the family that you've been able to build that way because you didn't see it that way. You were yeah. like, all right, let me see if there's something I can do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just I mean, extending the, that, that The age old saying, treat people how you want to be treated. It's, try, it, I've tried to live by that. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it seems to really work for you. So definitely like trying to, to look after one another and, and looking to um, be more of a family, that helps a lot. You know, when I'm talking about what advice you would give like a new manager, um, how about on like facing confrontation, like facing obstacles? Great because question. I, I think that is something that like new managers specifically, they're really afraid because sometimes they're working with their friends or like, you know, you worked with Mel, like she yeah. brought you in. And you're like, how do I, how do I have this confrontation? Um, how do I overcome this obstacle or go through this challenge with this person? Uh, 
without offending them or creating like a bad environment. So, I mean, how do you approach that? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I mean, we don't really have confrontation. Well, I mean, stuff happens. <laughs> Come on. I mean, everybody, I, obviously you guys don't get into it very often. No, but not at all. I mean, okay. you're, you're in sales. There's gotta be situations where somebody yeah. thought there should be a split and there wasn't. Yeah, maybe not the word confrontation, but okay, yeah. you know, maybe dispute. You know, because um, disputes happen every day, especially in in a commission situation where that's mine or that's a split or. We honestly don't get that. Doesn't happen we, very often. That, honestly, I mean, we never like. Heather, why are you lying to me? <laughs> we don't. We don't. Maybe they don't. Like, I don't know. What? Okay, how about we how really about don't. how about in the past? Let's not talk about let's say this particular group, but I'm sure like leading up to now, it hasn't all been sunshines and roses and yeah. rainbows. So there's been situations yeah. where you've had to have, you know, like let's say more difficult conversations with people. So how do you approach it? Because you're so soft-spoken and so sweet and gentle <laughs> with this. I'm trying to picture your, you being mean. I know it's impossible. But. Um, oh, no, hold on. Let's just be clear. I've seen Heather put her foot down before. Oh, have you? Oh, she got that side to her. Oh, okay. I just haven't seen that side yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Because I don't use it until it's necessary. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's something that, that Marshall believes in a lot. He's always He always waits to like the last possible moment. That to, to come with to come hard at you like that like he believes in giving people a lot of room. I mean, anytime anybody's like done something that I don't agree with or you know feel like they could be doing something a little bit differently, I'll just go to them and be like, you know, hey, like, why did you do it this way? And then I'll see why, and if it doesn't seem like it's you know the greatest fit, I'll be like, okay, so this is how I mean, this is why we we do it this way, or you know, I mean. I don't know. That's a hard question because we, we like we don't I'm really get you with the hard confrontation too much or like issues. Like, I mean, why do you think that is? Why do you think that you don't get those issues? Because um, I know a lot of people would die for that. Yeah, they would die to be in that situation. Everybody listening right now wants to know the secret. Yeah. I mean, kind of like how Cher was saying earlier. Like, if we if we're already at a good number and you see the person next to you is at a crappy number and you know somebody's walking up and it's between the two of you, like, it's just. The being the better person of giving mm-hmm. it to, off to the other person and is, being selfless, right? You just got to be selfless. How like do you if, how do you coach selflessness with your staff? <laughs> is that something you just lead um, by example? I mean, yeah. Like if especially with new people, I'll be like, okay, so you know we're at a great number, so let's let them talk to them. Let's try to get them, you know, you know, seating these people. Our our people will come. They'll be, you know, they'll have those people, and they're going to build attraction, and we'll be able to pull in our people and. Yeah, I mean, gotcha. we just really don't step on each other's toes. It's it's very far and few between that we ever get anything like that. Okay. Yeah, because that's something that, you know, I think a lot of listeners had questions on, which just like, you know, they, they see your store, they see what you do. Because um, a lot of folks that listen to this are kind of internal. We're trying to, to outreach a little bit more to other folks, but I think our conversation today can really benefit from what they yeah. can learn from what you're doing. Um, and I know that's a big thing that they're asking is like, you know, it doesn't happen very often, I think, at any store, because if it did, we probably wouldn't have those people there, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's just like those situations happen, and they, they wonder how to approach it. And it sounds like what you're saying, if I can condense it a little bit, is like you come more from a position of like trying to understand why they had the behavior in the first place, right? Instead yeah. of just like immediately scolding it and be like, no, that's wrong. That's not what we do. Right. You want to know like, hey. Because then there are sometimes where like, okay, you did it because of that. That's actually really great. Like, right, that makes sense. Why not? Like, yeah. 
What's yeah. really great about this is that there's so much you can tell that just comes natural from her. I know. And, she, and she's having a hard time like articulating. <laughs> I know. You know these principles that we know. Yeah. Like me and you know these principles and, and actually yeah. try to teach it. Right. But so much of it just comes natural for her. Yeah, it's just you like know. knee jerk for you. Yeah. It just it's just like it's just it's just like a reflex for you. It's it's great. Yeah, but it's it's definitely something that. I think people always want to know how you concentrate it and figure out what comes out of it. I mean, there have been so many times where, like, I'll have people in the aqua massage beds doing combos, and I'll already have people sitting, and, you know, the person next to me isn't, you know, doesn't have anybody, but, you know, other people walked up to me and started talking to me, and instead of me taking those people, because I already have four people, like, hey, you want mm, these people? Pass like, it over. Right, and it's also, like, I can't personally take care of six people exactly the way I want to. Sure. I can do it fast. I can I can get through it, but I can't actually build a rapport with them. I can't talk to them about everything I can't explain everything the way I want to so it's more beneficial for me to hand people off of course which makes it better for them because then they get money too so yeah like, like like seeking quality over quantity exactly yeah exactly that's 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 a very smart approach to it I also think it's it's interesting when you like when you say when those situations happen you really try to understand like why the person is doing it because I believe that like no one sees themselves like as the villain in yeah. any situation that's a good point like anytime something happens and like to you or me, we're like, oh, I can't believe they just did that. Like, oh my God, what? That's not how we do this. Oh, they stepped over my feet. They ne people never see themselves as like doing something wrong, right? They, they think there's a legitimate reason yeah. for why that behavior should be done that way, you know? And I think it's great to understand like, what is that reason? Yeah. Like, why did you feel that way? And then how can I get you to understand that that's not what we do, Yeah. right? And, and we kind of change those things. When you bring people on, um, you know, early, early stages, do you set kind of that expectation with them early, like how you want them to behave? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And absolutely. How, how do you, how do you continue to, I guess, give like positive reinforcement to those expectations? Because it sounds like you're not a person that really leads by like negative reinforcement. No. Like you don't tell people like, we don't do that, we don't do that. So how do no. you continue to encourage like the right behavior? Um, I mean, I guess just by lead, leading by example and doing it myself and showing them that if I can do it, you can do it too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's probably like the best ways, right? Just people seeing it and kind of sponging off of yeah. what you're doing internally. What about like, if you, I mean, do you ever, this is a dumb question, but do you ever come in and just like, you're not in the mood, like you're having a bad day? All the time. Okay. <laughs> how do you, how do you manage that to like... Like that face that, that people will see. Because, you know, people look up to you all the time when you're there. So. Um, I mean, I've always tried to just continuously smile <laughs> to kind of not show any type of negative emotion. Because obviously, like, if you are looking, you know, not the happiest, <laughs> nobody's going to want to, you know. Sage wisdom. I need that, right? Yeah. <laughs> For real. My boy got the RBF. No, he said the male version of yeah. RBF, right? Yeah. Yeah, fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I guess I asked that because it's easy to lead by example when you're feeling great and you're active and you're zoned in. Everything's awesome, you know. Yeah. But like naturally, as people, that doesn't happen every day. Yeah. So like I face that a lot of times. Like sometimes yeah. I need to lead by example, and I'm just like, oh, I can't do this today. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> you can say it. Like so that. I smoke a lot of there weed. You go. <laughs> a lot of no weed. No one's gonna look at you sideways for that. Hey, you know, and actually that, that, that's great segue. Um, not that we're, we're going to talk about smoking marijuana. No, I wanted, I wanted to talk a little bit about like, and we asked, I think Kyle this in the last podcast, like this, this job's demanding. Oh yeah. Like it takes Incredibly. a lot for me. Oh yeah. Socially, mentally, emotionally sometimes. 
So where do you find balance? Is it just, you know, just smoking? Does that help you a lot? Just kind of balance your, your work um, personal life out or do you do other things? Yeah. I mean, I go hiking all the time. I bring my son up to Red Rock. I, you know, go out to parks and stuff. We go to a lot of restaurants. We, I mean, you know, we have a, we have a good time. Mm-hmm. I mean, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, I She showed me a picture before the podcast of a, she's got a bearded dragon. Did you yeah. know this? Tristan wants one so bad. Yeah. She takes it bad. for, she takes it for walks. Really? I have a leash for her. She's got, she, she sent me this picture. Oh, we have to post it okay. somewhere so people can see it. But she sent me this picture of like, they're at Red Rocks and yeah, show them. Tell me that's not the most adorable thing you've ever seen. Dude. Okay, so next time <laughs> I'm in town and I'm and I brought my son, we're gonna go over and see this. Yes. Because my son is obsessed with a friend's yes. bearded dragon. Like yes. he's that's I'll all that's all anywhere. he wants. That's all he wants for Christmas is a bearded dragon. Oh, they're so cool. They're the sweetest. I, I didn't know sweetest. people really kept them as pets. Yes, they're amazing. They're great first pets. How much what like where'd you get it? Um Damn. Oh god. I think I got them at an expo. Oh, yeah? I've had them for a long time, yeah. So my friend was trying to tell me that their diets are pretty sensitive, though. Like, you got, it's not just, like, drop some crickets in and... Believe me, there, there have been times where I've neglected him. So he's... They, he's they're, they're very, yes. Yeah. Okay. They're How good. often do they have to eat? Every day. Oh. Okay. Every day. I didn't but, know if they like some, yeah. they eat, like, lettuce like, and then something about, like, they dehydrate easily or something. So they, they, they need, like... They, yeah, but then at that point, they kind of just, like, hibernate. Um, and just don't move too much. <laughs> gotcha. Like conserving energy. Yeah, pretty much. But, um, I mean, they do have to eat every day. Like, when they're babies, they have to eat a lot of protein, mm. a lot of, you know, crickets and grasshoppers and um, dubia roaches. Those are fun. So, ew. What, what's your bearded dragon's name? Um, Littlefoot. <laughs> Littlefoot. Oh, my God. I love it. It's awesome. a lamb before time. So, yeah. that that's a big part of it for you is, like, uh, you, I know we talked a little bit beforehand that you kind of, you keep a lot of animals and insects and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. You have, like, a bunch of stuff squirming around the house. Yeah. Well, we just le- uh, released all the butterflies last week. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. We're going to be doing awesome. that again in She showed in me this, this photos of, uh, yeah. she's got a bunch of, she had a bunch of caterpillars. And they turned into and their chrysalis. Yeah. And we got to watch the whole process. Did the I whole process. No idea that, you know, they had sex. That was interesting. <laughs> that was, she showed me that, like, too. Like, why are your butts together? <laughs> what is this? But I got to watch the whole life cycle. That was pretty cool. She said there was, like, 100 eggs, like, Oh, my God, so many eggs. Because I didn't release them in time. Because they last for two to four weeks once they turn into butterflies. And yeah. my son got sick, so I couldn't really release them right away. And mm-hmm. then... Since they were, you know, trapped in yeah, isolation, they yeah. were <laughs> just laying there. They were really pretty eggs too. They were like teal color. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, wow. that's cool. Yeah, that you know, I love I love this as kind of like as a hobby because a lot of times, you, like I talk to people who are working with us, and I'm like, you got to find stuff outside of work that that makes you happy. You have to. Yeah, you, you absolutely know? have to. And they get so wrapped up around. Oh my God, look at that! Wow, so there's cool. a butterfly chrysalis. <laughs> then you can actually. Oh. There's, oh my god! Right before that. it came out of its chrysalis, wow. you can see like the wings and stuff. That's so cool. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, I feel like you have to have a like a you know a hobby that makes you happy that has nothing to do with this. Yes. yes. You know because like I think especially people that are trying to get better or really taking it so seriously, they're like, oh yeah, I have a hobby. You know, like I, I read self help books all the time. I'm like that's great, and you should do that, but that's not a hobby. Yeah, it's yeah. not a hobby. Yeah. You know, like or they just like oh I just you know my hobby's gonna be like I'm gonna you know drive really nice expensive cars. I'm like. That's not a hobby. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that has a direct connection to what you're doing here. Like, you need to find things that make you happy outside of this. Yeah. You know? Totally. And I think that's that's a really interesting one is to have all these, <laughs> these different creatures roaming around your home. Next, so I, next I'm going to be doing tadpoles to frogs. Tadpoles nice. to frogs. Fun, yeah. 
King Frog. Yeah. King Frog. <laughs> I do an NFT podcast. Yeah, next. that's the next one, Andrew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so question. How many more animals do you have in the house? Um, I have three cats and a bearded dragon. That's it? Okay. Yeah. Are you a snake person? I am a snake person. I used to have a snake. I used to have a, um, a Brooks King snake. So we uh, we worked very closely with someone who who left the industry and started his own uh, reptile company. Really, he travels around and, and uh, sells his snakes at shows, and he breeds them. They're very That's very cool. like took over a house in a county that allowed it, and it's it's actually really cool. He uh, we went in and that's in Florida. Uh, no, actually North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. he built that's a awesome. really big yeah. business out of this. Yeah, and I mean just seeing all of the uh, the eggs and then like holding that giant. I don't even know how big that damn. That python, he, he's a big python guy. Yeah. Yeah, and for me, I was terrified of snakes. I love snakes. But he invited, you know, invited us over, and and really, you know, he it was so cool that like he knew like how to deal with me. He started me out with like the little one in my hand, and then like the next one got a little bit bigger. The next thing, the next thing I know, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm taking part <laughs> in like holding this massive one that takes six people to hold. That's, That's insane. Awesome. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not scared of snakes like that. Like, the big snakes don't scare me at all. It's the little ones that freak me out. Like, really? the water moccasins and shit that you see, like, flying across the lakes. Okay, I don't know if you, yeah. well, you guys don't have any water yeah. out here, so you've probably never yeah. seen that before. <laughs> In the swamp like land where we live. Okay. Like I mean, well, honestly, for me, that was a big moment because that, I think that was, like, the first, like, childhood fear or, like, phobia that I actually, overcame. like, overcame. It was, like, a very, like, freeing experience. Like, I left that experience, like, going, like, wow. Like, maybe I'll do other crazy stuff. <laughs> what was interesting about that with him, too, is, like, that that was kind of a hobby for him that ended up becoming a business. Yep. Yeah. Like, he worked with us for a while and was really, in, it was really great, actually, awesome. at this industry. Yeah. But always had this passion for, like, raising, you know, snakes and yeah. then built a whole great business out of it. And is still doing it, I think. Still to this day. He, he's actually, not only is he doing it, but he's, he's actually respected as a, uh, like, in the community as, like, a, uh, a very credible, like, person, like a leader in the industry. Yeah. Like, and he's very Good well connected with all awesome. of, like, the major, you know, reptile uh, facilities and, yeah. Is that something you ever think about wanting to do, Heather, like, in this industry, like, being, like, a respected source or, like, somebody, like, like a true celebrity in sales? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you have the ability, right? Why not reach the yeah. top there? Um, when we talk about, like, work-life balance and, like, finding your hobbies and stuff like that, I find that sometimes, like, one or the other gets in the way of each other. That's kind of a complicated yeah. sentence, but sometimes like your your focus on work can get in the way of your personal life, and then obviously sometimes things in your personal life can impact your work, your career. Yeah. Um, when that inevitably happens, because it happens to all of us, how do you adapt and overcome? You know, where do you find balance for those things? Um, I mean, Jason and and or my boyfriend and and my son are a big contributor to that. Like, sure, keep you grounded. They, yeah, because they see I get stressed out a lot, and you know, he's like, "I'm here for you. Like, <laughs> everything's gonna be okay. Just yeah. take it day by day. That's why I take it day by day." <laughs> Find solace just in but, family. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying before, that's that's another reason why I do the the four day work week because having those three days off that makes it to where you can balance. That's interesting, and that's actually something I have to say I've really learned from you this trip. Um, we talk about it a lot as entrepreneurs because there, you have to wear so many different hats yeah. as an entrepreneur. And, you know, a lot of times, and, and our, our, you know, my girlfriend, your wife, can attest to the fact that we never are truly turned off. Yeah. <laughs> like we're always on mm-hmm. something. And because of that, because sometimes you're up at 2 o'clock in the morning or, you know, you're supposed to be at a fancy dinner and you're still on your phone and something's happening, yeah. it, you know, we talk a lot about trying to, have like off days mm-hmm. like truthfully where you just are, are out of you know just shut it off 
but it's not something you hear a lot about as you know retail managers or retail associates or things like that like you're just expected to just grind 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 mm -hmm. and I would love for you to talk a little bit more about like I don't know if that's something you came up with on your own or it's just something you saw over time like um, that four-day well, work week before before you guys we were literally working five days a week and then I mean there were times where I literally had to work a quadruple shift like I'd work yeah I'd work a.m. My PM would call out, so I'd have to work that PM. I was AM the next day, so I had to work my shift, and then the next PM would call out. Jesus And Christ. so I'd have to work four shifts in a row, and then only have those two days off, and then not, you know, like losing my freaking mind. So I, I eventually, with Amber, I was like, I need three days off. I need You're to hardcore. have three days off. And so it but just worked after that. Imagine having like a, like tattoos of like, you know, like, like just marking each call out shift. <laughs> yeah, like like, like, like you're in prison. <laughs> Every call out. Yeah. yeah. This last six years. Yeah. Every, when did you went here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you just get a face tat every time a call out happens. Um, when when did you put your foot down on that? How long ago was that? Um you said Amber, so this had to be at least two or three years ago. Yeah, it was probably God, it had to have been like six months before you guys took over. Gotcha. Maybe maybe like four or five months before you guys took over. And have you really like stuck to that regardless of what's going on? Like I'm doing four on three off regardless of what's what's happening. Um, I mean, obviously there are times where like if if I truly can't find a cover for somebody who's sick or something, I'll work. It's not a problem. That's why I also do it just so that way. Like if I do end up having to pick a pick up a shift, it's I not crushing still you. have two days off. Like it's, yeah, it's not that bad. It's a good point. Yeah. Did you was that an active like a conscious decision for your mental health? Like yeah. you just kind of felt it was impacting yeah. you. And then once I, you know, came here and was able to like get more people and everything, I was like, everybody needs this. If I know I'm struggling, I know everybody else is too. So I need I need everybody to have, you know, that time off to recoup and Yeah. Yeah. Your turn. That's a good point. It's a great point. And it's something that I, I don't think this industry or sales industries in general even think about at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you totally opened my eyes through that conversation. I just, I hadn't even considered Well, you it. were raised by wolves. So, <laughs> so you're, when someone says that, that's like foreign to you. I mean, it like the hair stood up on the back of my neck. <laughs> I was like, balance, what? Like I just, I just started to think about this within the last couple of years. But yeah, I, I was raised in, in this business of working open to close six days a week you got one day off to do everything that you had to do there's no calling out there's no being sick if you like your job this is what you have to do yeah and i don't know how i survived that shit, but i did and it's like it's taken me a That's long how time i feel about before you guys i was like how the fuck did i do that how did like, i survive yeah <laughs> you know what's funny is my folks even back then like warned me ahead of time they were like this is gonna burn you out like yeah. if you really like this industry like what you're doing you got to stop doing that to yourself. And even when I opened my first business, I was still doing it to myself. Mm -hmm. Like there was no one putting that on me. I just yeah. felt like I had to do it. Yeah. But that that whole kind of four days on, three days off, you know, um, I, th I think it's something that more people need to adopt if they can. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's what 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 people don't understand about what you're doing though is that you're able to do the work of what I was doing in six days, in four days. Absolutely. And that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. And sometimes even three. Like, right. <laughs> And I, I, there's something we preach a lot lately is like, master your craft. Because if you do that, then you can create your own schedule. Absolutely. And you can enjoy more time with your family, yeah. mm -hmm. with your son, you know, taking your bearded dragons <laughs> on walks, <Yeah. laughs> stuff like that. Is that one of the things that you 
appreciate the most uh, out of the whole uh, like change in ownership um, process that you went through was was the, the change in the, the freedom of schedule like that? Yeah, and not as much micromanaging. Yeah. <laughs> we really don't believe in that at all. We're all adults here. And I truly appreciate it. We, we, let, we, we let numbers be the accountability factor, not you know all the micro yeah. you know, behaviors. Well, that seems to trickle down, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not, you don't micromanage your people either. Right. And I think all with the same respect, so you probably say they don't like obsess or micromanage themselves on doing everything perfect and correct all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't obsess over that. They just think about what can I do while I'm here in this moment. You yeah. Know? What can I do to help this person right now? <laughs> I know you said you don't think much, like too much into the future. Like, you just try to think day to day. Yeah, for the most part. But if you like you paint a perfect picture for what your life looks like five years from now, what, what are you doing? Where are you at? How are things going? Um... I mean, honestly, the only difference I would want is my own house and okay. another car. Okay. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> if that's not a lesson in like, yeah, dude, that, you know, what? I love that answer. If that's not a lesson in being happy with what you have. Yeah. yeah. What more do you need? Right. A happy family, a good job, people that care about you. I mean, yeah. truthfully, a good community of people around you. I mean, it's, it's just funny. It's like, I think because you've been in the industry long enough and, and you've seen the ups and downs for it, like you recognize what's important. Yeah. Because totally. there's so many f- people that start in this and they're like, I want the Lambo and I want the yacht <laughs> and I want to, you know, travel the world every day. And it's like, I think those are like super realistic expectations. Yeah. Like I just want another house or I want a house, I want another car, enjoy time with my family. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Ever, ever Eat got any, any desire to like <laughs> own something like this yourself one day or? Um, I mean, maybe. You want it's... the stress that we have? <laughs> It's the only reason why I'm saying maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit's aged me a little bit. Um, we always like to open up towards the end. I mean, I know we've been on for a little bit now. We always like to open it up to questions that maybe yeah. you've had about the business or about us or anything that kind of, you know, speaked your interest that we've never had a, talk, a chance to really talk about. So this is kind of a format for that. Okay. Um, well, how, how long have you guys actually been working for we're with with STEM or just with the company yeah. that you're in with now? Um, so for me, it was 2009. Okay. 2009. So I think you know this, but my wife, Chelsea, worked yes. for Breathe. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's what actually what got me into uh, the STEM side of the product. And it was our story is pretty funny because I think a lot of people can relate to it because one day she came home really pissed off because of how she was treated by her manager one day with some of that, the old school culture that they mm-hmm. had. <laughs> and we went to, I think IHOP on Las Vegas Boulevard, got like a pitcher of coffee and figured out a business plan to do it ourselves. Then we thought we were so smart and so capable. And we, we opened up in town square when that mall first opened okay. right in front of the movie theater. Yeah. Vapor Las Vegas was the, the name. <laughs> okay. We lasted six weeks, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it just goes to show you there's so much more aspects to the, like to the business side, Oh, I uh, bet. you know, so, um, but you know, after that, that was a big, you know, humbling experience. And, um, you know, I think the rest is history. I just, you know, didn't quit, just kept on, you know, trying different things and I stayed in STEM. And what were you doing before? Um, I had just gotten out of the Marine Corps. Oh, okay. Yeah, just got out of the Marine Corps. So. Got you. Yeah, he's like he was like straight out and then into business. Yeah. Which is it's it that's always an interesting side of that story to me is it's like you come from and I think you've talked a lot about how the military experience like helped you understand principles in business you didn't really recognize until you got into it. Yeah. 
you know, like how to be, you know, what leadership is and, you know, how to manage, you know, young folks especially, which is a lot yeah. of what we deal with in this industry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my rank when I got out as a sergeant, specifically uh, small unit leadership, which is why I think I, I see things um, through a different lens uh, with stores, kiosks, tr- especially trade show teams. It's crazy the similarities with, between a trade show team and the military in terms of like battle like, buddies. I mean, exactly <laughs> the logistics of, of getting from point A to point B to uh, the loneliness you deal with on the road when you're gone. To I mean, close living quarters. Yeah, close working so quarters. I can. So now I, I can I have a lot of foresight. I can see potential issues way before they come up just right. because I know what they're going to go through or, you know, or what they're doing. So, How long were you in the Marine Corps? Uh, I did four years active, one in the reserve. Oh, so wow. I, I was in a place called uh, Ramadi, Iraq, um, oh, wow. in the Ambar province, uh, right after, I don't know if you remember, George Bush's uh, surge, surge troops. It was a big political hot button back then. Um, so I got there um, right right uh, before the surge, the surge troops got there. Okay. Um, and my experience is very unique and something that I'm very grateful for because I when I got there it was very bad it was one of the worst cities in Iraq at the time Um, and by the end of it you know or let me take a step back so I I would leave the you know we call leaving the wire going out on mission they're actually expecting contact or or, you know any engagement um, to you know by the end of it leaving our weapons and body armors in the truck and playing soccer with kids in the street. Aww. And there's a night and day difference. I always like that part of the story. <laughs> you know, it's, it's to see all spectrums of it where some guys that go over there and they only saw the bad yeah. or they, towards the end, they went there and they, they have like all these regrets because they didn't, you know, get to participate as much as they want because, it was, you know, most of it was already over. Yeah. But, um, and, it, you know, aside from the small unit leadership stuff, even just knowing like my appetite for risk is different, I think, because I know no matter what, like nothing will ever be as bad as some of the experiences over there. And sure. also um, part of the big reason why immigrants do so well in this country is because they, it, like America's very luxurious. Like we yeah. don't really know how good we have it. So I'm always, always grateful, even for some of the basic things we have in this country. Right. Take um, it for granted. And it's something we should really like, really reflect on. I mean, look, I mean, your girlfriend's from Venezuela. Yeah. You know? Yep. She talked about it all the time. You know, it's, there's, you get gas, you got to wait like an hour in, in a car line. Oh, she, and her uh, parents waited for like a week one time, I think. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm exaggerating. I know it was more than a couple of days, though. Like, yeah. they had to trade off. That's insane. Like, they, like, he was, her father was in line for a little bit, and then after like 12 hours, like, her yeah. mom had to get Whoa. in line. Yeah. Well, it's because the government controls every aspect of the economy. Yep. Oh, that's horrible. Um, I was a loaf of bread's probably like 20 bucks over there. I mean, the, last the time I checked. Uh, money means nothing over there. Yeah. The, the, the Venezuelan dollar, whatever it's, it's called, is, uh, it's so worthless that it, it's more. It's more worth for the, the people to make art out of it, like to make bags and then try to sell the bag, or to oh, make wow. like a wallet and try to sell the wallet, because the actual currency is completely worthless. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it's something that, uh, yeah. I mean, just it it, st- it sticks with me, you know. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what my experiences was. You know, I, uh, high school dropout, joined the Marine Corps, <laughs> came back and uh, you know got involved with this. Yeah, and, uh, the rest is history. Yeah, and I always, I always hate being the one that has to follow up after that. 
<laughs> always wish, always, and they always ask him first, and then, and, you know, I just let him go into the answer, and then I'm like, all right, cool, well, fuck me. Because <laughs> that's badass, and I don't have anything as cool as that to say. Um, no, but truthfully, like, I, you know, and the, it, his story is something that I think once we started working together uh, changed my perspective on a lot of things, so much to the point now that, like, when we, we go places, I get the question a lot of times, like, well, were you in the Marines, too? Were you in the military, Aww. too? And I'm like, no. hell no, bro. <laughs> I wouldn't have lasted a week. I just learned all this shit from Marshall. Um, uh, my my story is way easier, more simple, I guess, than that. I just I, I I wanted to play music professionally. I was a guitar player and a singer, and I had a talent at a young age. And my family is amazing, incredible with nurturing that and trying to get me to pursue music. And I did it for a while, but the problem, obviously, with the music industry is like you just I, I don't want to say you can't make a living because you can. But trying to be like an original band, it's almost yeah. impossible. Yeah, like a real like starving artist. Yeah, like you know, we tried to make our own music and promote our own music, and and you know, we we had a lot of fun doing it, but it wasn't particularly lucrative. You had to be like a cover band, and I never wanted to go that route. Yeah. yeah, I just didn't want to play other people's music on on stage. I just felt like you can just press play on your right, <laughs> and especially now, like yeah. you got you can stream everything. So I'm glad I got out of the industry when I did. But I just answered an ad on Craigslist. I really? literally, I knew I could. The story is actually really funny. I could not, I could not pass a drug test to get, get into any job because I just smoked like crazy weed back then, and uh, so I was like, I tried to apply for Best Buy and like I, I wouldn't pass the test. So like I answered an ad on Craigslist for a guy who was selling bed sheets in a mall. Okay. That's literally how it started, That's and like funny. I got to work and and I I, didn't, I had never met anybody from Israel before, and the Israelis were like the ones that dominated the industry, and uh, the guy literally came to me. And he's like, okay, you sell sheet. Sheet 25 to sheet 35. Okay, good luck. Okay, good and luck. And he just left me. And I'm like, uh... Wait, hold on, how old were you again? I was like 17, <laughs> 18 years old. Because when I first started, I was still trying to do music. So I was like, I, I would do like music on the weekends and the weekdays I would work to kind of pay for like, you know, studio time. Yeah. Because it's an expensive you know, career, truthfully, if you're trying to go down into it. you spend, you got to spend a lot of money to do anything with it. And... Uh, I just, I just decided one day, I'm like, I'm going to fucking sell these sheets, bro. Like, I got to make some bread, and I'm going to sell the hell out of these sheets. So I just started, like, looking at the packaging. I'm like, all right, Egyptian cotton. Okay, 1,000 thread counts. Okay, what does thread count mean? I have to learn okay, uh, what, maybe I'm going to ask them <laughs> what color their bed set is, and I'm going to say, oh, this color would go great with that. Like, I just bullshitted my yeah. way. And the second the guy was like, oh, this guy knows how to bullshit, then he owned, like, eight other carts in the mall, and he started moving me around from, like, cart to cart. He's like, okay, now you sell a uh, kid's toy, you know? And so then I was selling helicopters. And he's like, okay, now you sell hair straightener. And I was like, all right, I'm going to sell hair straighteners. And then the one that I hit it big on were those, did you guys, what they still sell them, those those power balance bands? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those little, like, weight bands, mm-hmm. whatever. And, man, I freaking murdered that product. Because it was, like, right at the peak when they were hot. And I was I, I crushed it. And my, uh, my boss at the time was, like, just totally, like, head over heels with the idea of having, like, a young American kid, like, run his business. So I just started running his his kiosk for him. I did the bands, and then he had something else that I ran. Oh, he had this is hilarious. I sold hermit crabs. Hermit crabs. I love hermit crabs. <laughs> hermit crabs in a mall. You know how hard it is to sell a freaking hermit crab oh, to somebody. I, I bought them. Do you want to yeah. know? The, you know the, the, the worst part about it is half your inventory dies every morning. Yeah. Aww. After the morning, and they freaking stink. Oh, they smell like hell. Every morning, I had to go in there and scoop up like fifty dead hermit crabs, and I used to. <laughs> My boss at the time, was, I'll never forget him. His name is Nir. He's an incredible guy. But he's like so like, you know, controlling like penny pincher as a business owner. He's like, listen, you do not throw away the hermit crab. Okay? 
You put it in a bag, I send the shells back to the manufacturer, and they give me a discount. <laughs> so I literally had like a graveyard of like oh, dead hermit no. crabs. Like I just had like 80 oh, of no. them in like a plastic Walmart bag, like underneath the kiosk. Oh man. Yeah, and I'd have to like, people would come up to the booth and be like, why does it stink over oh, here? And I'm like, oh, it's just the hermit crabs, that's how they yeah. smell. Oh, but anyways, I, I worked my way through that. Like I just, I just recognized at a certain point that the people that were, I had a really great mentor. His name was Asi, and uh, still a really great friend of mine. And he, he saw something in me early on to just start opening the doors, like teaching me how to do the business side of it, like not just to sell it. And I just got so ensconced and entranced with the idea of like going like kind of counterculture, like making your mm-hmm. own way, like because yeah. that's why I wanted to do music. I didn't want to go to college. I didn't yeah. want to have like a regular career. So I just got, you know, really excited about that and, and learned and failed a lot along the ways. But I, I was a super young business owner and uh, and just kept building and trying different things until it stuck. But I, I got started, yeah, 17. I'll be 29. or I'm 29 this year. I'll be 30 in June next year. So it's been a long ass time. That's awesome. And it's it's funny is like this product, I was I was around for like the first like like styles or units of, of this like I remember like the when mouse I was there for the mouse yeah. the one that I worked for Pinook initially mm-hmm. that was our first um, massager that we sold and what's funny about that is that they made them out of like old crappy MP3 like MP3 player, player cases oh wow like literally it had like pause and play button still on it like the display you could tell was like made to be like a knockoff iPod like That's crazy. China they were just printing off these like really shitty tens units back oh, then no. with like one cable <laughs> And some pads. And uh, my, my boss at the time was like, we're never going to sell these. We, we sold aromatherapy pillows at the time. He's like, we're never going to sell these. I just ordered a couple. Like, you try selling them. And I sold nine to one lady for Christmas. I just connected with her. And he's like, that's it. We changed the business. <laughs> <laughs> now we're selling Pinoc every day. That's all we sell. <laughs> and uh, so I've, I got to see the transition, like, especially from, like, what we sold then to, like, having a freaking wireless kit now yeah. and the yeah. massage guns and all this cool stuff that we have. It's just, like, mind-blowing to me. Um but I tried a lot of different products, like Marshall was saying. Like I was kind of stuck in STEM, but I tried like I sold these like 3D lights that I had to put together. Um, I did like a lot of splat ball toys and kids toys. We had a straightener <laughs> booth at a certain point. I mean, I tried a little bit of everything. Did you do wind chimes, or was that somebody else? I didn't do wind chimes. No, okay. I think I had I had friends that told me I should do it, but okay. I, I didn't do chimes. I did a lot of BS though. I sold yeah. all types of crap until I finally just said, you know what, this is this is what I'm good at. This is what I know. <laughs> And, uh, and kept going from there. But my biggest challenge was always, I was so much younger yeah. than the people working for me. Like I'd be like 19 and I was managing, you know, like eight or nine people who were like in their late 20s or some of them in their 30s. I even had one lady that worked for me who was 50. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was always tough for me to like figure out how to like get them to respect me. Yeah, yeah. And age discrimination is really real. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, but you were that age, but how mature were you? I mean, Looking back now, <laughs> I don't think I was mature at all. I think at the time I thought I was super mature, and I yeah. think I, I was I faked it really well. People were like, "Wow, that's a that's a well accomplished young man." <laughs> like, but internally I was like super. I was still a kid, but yeah, yeah. I presented myself well. Gotcha. I think when you and I met, I was probably like 22, 23. I don't even know, maybe maybe. I think you were twenty three, twenty three ish. And I got that a lot. People were like, "Oh, you, you come off a lot older than you are," but I still face a lot of obstacles, like trying to open new business. Like I would go to new like malls or like I wanted to do something different or I wanted to build something different. And they were just like, you're too young, kid. No. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't trust. They were, yeah. they were shocked that I could do the business in the first place. So that was always my biggest challenge was like figuring out how to take, you know, just folks and, and get them to be on the same page with me. Yeah. And being such a kid. Now I'm older than everybody that works with us. So 
at least in Orlando. Yeah. Not me. Yeah, here, here in Vegas, I'm still a baby, but in Orlando, I've got a bunch of kids underneath me, and they're like, "What was it like before cell phones?" <laughs> <laughs> did you guys have like a like? Did you guys have like a dial-up phone, or like? Do you remember when the internet was like AOL, and you had to like be off the phone so that you could actually use they're it? That's so funny with that shit out, out in Orlando. <sighs> I love it, and I hate yeah. it at the same time. But yeah, sorry, that was a bit long-winded. No, but sorry. that's. Uh, that's yeah. kind of how, how long I've been in this and, and how I got into it. Anything else you can think of? Any other questions you might have for us? Mm. How'd you guys meet? I'll let Grant tell that story. Uh, <laughs> I think I told the story last night, actually. Yeah. We had that little company dinner here. Yeah. I don't know who I was talking to. Maybe we did the manager meeting. But uh, yeah, it, it was, it was I, I kind of popped up in his backyard. Oh, really? Yeah, like, basically the easiest way I can describe it. Yeah, I had, mm-hmm. I had um, business in Florida and Tampa, and I got so sick of it. I'd just been there for years, and I'm like a gypsy. I can't stand in one place for very long. <laughs> I really am. I get, like, if, I get panicky if I live in the same city for Start longer crazy. than, like, two. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I'm missing out on something. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's a part of the world I'm not seeing. So I closed up. I wanted to go back to North Carolina, and I opened up a kiosk in, uh, in Durham, North Carolina, with my business partner at the time. And he had a shop in Raleigh and had been there for a couple of years before I got there. It's like a 20 minute, 20 minute drive away from each other. Yeah, okay. It was right around the corner. And uh, I opened up this car and, you know, I, back in, back in the day, I was a, like a cart killer. Like that was, I was really good at it. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, just brush my shoulder off real quick. <laughs> I'm not going to bump my own chest, my ego, but I was pretty good at it. And I had a good team of, of people that had the same way and uh, just went in there and started selling. And I guess he caught wind of it. Okay. <laughs> He's like, he saw somebody selling devices in his neighborhood, basically. He's like, hey, motherfucker, you got to get off my turf, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nah, but he, he showed up. He basically showed up to the to the mall. And, like, it's so funny because for any of you guys that know Marshall, like, you know, he, he likes to dress like he's homeless when he's walking around out there. Like, he dresses super low-key. But he's, you know, this big successful business guy. And he's, like, walking through the mall with, like, a backward marine cap on and, like, a tattered up shirt, like, some gym shorts. And, like, one of my guys beelines for him to try to sell him. Cause he looks like a customer like he yeah. looks like a great customer yeah. you know you're like oh big guy broad shoulders marine hat oh, i'm gonna sell him you know like <laughs> so it goes after him to do the demo and uh and just you know through that demonstration we kind of got connected and started yeah. talking and, and and you know just realized that we were in the same industry and i was really enamored with like he had already built kind of a community which is something we've been talking about a lot lately mm-hmm. it's just your community and, and the people that you're around in this industry and he built a great community of people that did this you know, who were at kiosks in other malls or who did trade shows. Mm. And I was fascinated to know that there were other people who did this. Yeah. Because in most malls, especially retail, you have people who do skincare, you have people that do um, you know, hair straighteners, or there's like a, a small group of them, and they're kind of connected. But as, you know, as an American guy, I was always kind of on the outskirts. Yeah. Because they come from Israel, or they come from the Middle East, and they, they kind of band together. And it's great to be a part of that. And they really war- like welcomed me with, with, uh, with, with open arms. I always felt like I was a, a part of that group. But you still feel like you're not that person. Like, you're not there. Yeah. I can't speak the language. I yeah. don't understand the yeah, culture. Totally. So I always kind of felt like an outcast. And then here comes this guy who's, like, in the business, in the industry, who's found other people that are doing the same thing. So I was just enamored with this idea of being connected to something bigger. And I started off as a distributor. I just was okay. ordering product from him and selling. And I think uh, an opportunity came up for you to go to Florida to start doing solar. Mm-hmm. And that's really when you kind of came to me and said, hey, you know, I've got some business here already. I've got a couple of locations. What do you yeah. think about partnering up? And that was kind of our first step into doing that. That's and awesome. uh, yeah, there were a lot of obstacles and challenges, you know, through, through learning how to work in a partnership because I also wasn't 
I have like a problem with authority. <laughs> we all do. That's why we're here. I think most people in this business <laughs> do, yeah. And I wasn't like, I wasn't used to having somebody, not like to answer to, but like someone that I had to check with all the time. I was always the kind of the one that yeah. was, was the boss. So it was weird for me to learn that dynamic. But I have to say, I think learning to work together with people and like becoming, like re- recognizing how to be humble and, and, and really establishing humility in your life can open so many doors. Definitely. Because once I learned to kind of like shut my ego up and focus more on the big picture, focus on what business could be and what we could do together, you know, the doors just kind of came down. We just started, we really started kicking down doors, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After a while, it just became like, all right, we want to do this. Boom, we're doing it. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. Um, and I think that, uh, something we talk about a lot is just like trying to balance out each other's um, weak points. And I think that's something that he and I recognized early on, you know, because I can't stop talking clearly. I'll never <laughs> and, uh, and he's more quiet, more reserved, but you need that balance. And that's like yeah. the easiest metaphor I yeah. can give you. And I'm sure you yeah. could tell, you know, complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. Oh, yeah, well. definitely. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's kind of how we met up. And, uh, you know, I think when, when Breed became something on the table, it was a no-brainer for us. But it's, it's, it's been one of the bigger challenges, I think, for both of us. Well, hold on. Let's let's talk about how that became very real for you. I think when Breathe was because we talked about this when when I brought Breathe to the table and said, "Hey, we have this opportunity. Yeah, I'm going to try to work this deal with Sean." Yeah, I remember you telling the story, and yeah. it was just hilarious because you're like, "Well, oh, so yeah, yeah." Because some of the backstory to this, so, so he and I had that partnership for years, and then, you know, I I didn't have control of my ego and and and, and understanding humility and all that stuff quite yet, and mm-hmm. so I was really like, I got to the point where a lot of people get to in partnerships where I was just like. I can do this shit by myself. I don't need you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna handle this. But I'm the big boss dog, you know. And so, like, I we we ended up ending our partnership because of that. I mean, we did it the right way, like try to you know buy him out of the region and all that stuff. And um, I worked doing that for a couple of years on my own, but I didn't have the right, like, talk about community. I didn't have the right community around me, you know, the right type of yeah. people. Um, the right group to help me pursue that and develop myself. And so I, I screwed it up. I screwed away in a kind of a really great opportunity and, and a really great business that we had there. And so I say that to say when Marsha and I started working together again, um, I had just come off of like extreme failure is the best way I can say it. You know, I had built this great business. I had built a few different businesses and I got to this position. I was still kind of young, 24, 25. And um, I had made a lot of money, but I had lost all of it just by making bad decisions, you know? And I came off of this extreme failure of like losing my business and, you know, losing my financial security and really not knowing what the hell I was gonna do, like where I was gonna go. And he and I started working through um, somebody else. And when we got back to the table about working together, I think there was some hesitation from both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't quite sure. We knew there was something there, we weren't sure how we we're gonna make it work because it didn't work out before, you know, for various reasons. Yeah. But we were, I think we were both ready to figure out a way to move forward. And so I started just going on the road selling uh, these neck rollers, these neck massages at the time. And I still wasn't 100% convinced. You know, I was, I was going to shows and I was selling this product and I was trying to find a way to build the business, but I just... Well, you come from in this industry, like everybody's always, always so suspicious of everybody. Right. You know, and that's something that you carried. I think it took, wow, it took, a, I think of it, years. It did take kind years. of break that. 
it took years for me to break that suspicion of someone trying to like benefit from from my efforts you yeah. know and then i realized later on that you have to do that you should benefit from each other's efforts it's good for you yeah. you know like once you get through that things are great but it took me a while to see marshall not as like like as um like as a bad guy you know <laughs> as somebody that genuinely wanted to help yeah and i think you know people that know him he he's he's got kind of a, an exterior that you wouldn't like not not that you're like tough or like mean or whatever on the on the outside, but like it's difficult sometimes to see like the genuine nature that you have mm. that you are truly trying to help a lot of people and improve people's situation, and I think that's a symptom sometimes of just being successful. People assume that you had to step on heads to get there, yeah. But that's really not your mo. But I say all that to say, um, I was started doing this business and I wasn't fully like on board with it, and then he came to the table with this you know purchasing breathe, and we had an opportunity to 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 get involved in this. And for me, it was like somebody took the, 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 the blanket off. And it was like somebody flipped the light switch because suddenly there was this like real opportunity to get involved in something that was so well established. You know, we, I'd heard about Breathe for years. Yeah. I knew what was happening in Vegas. I heard about Vegas for years before I even ever oh, really? came. Oh yeah, I heard about you guys selling products. Every mall I was in, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I bought this in Vegas. <laughs> oh, yeah, and they, I bought this, and I got this, and this person hooked me up, and I went to this O2 bar, and it was amazing. So I knew about this beforehand. And I just, like, I was like, I got to get my shit together. <laughs> I really, I just had this moment where I was like, this is, this is it. And I was like, if I don't get on this train, and I don't really, like, adapt myself and unlock my potential and work on me, this is, this is going to fall through my fingertips like a lot of other things had fallen through my fingertips up until this point. And I just embraced that wholly and said, I, I'm going to change the way that I, you know, like you talk about thinking day to day. Yeah. I'm going to change my routine. I'm going to change my lifestyle. I'm going to change my approach to my health, my mental health, my physical health. I'm going to focus more on developing myself personally, becoming an expert in, in selling and in managing businesses. And all. I, mean, I really just dove into it, you know, because of this, because this, this opportunity came um, kind of to the table for Marshall. And so I, I look at that as like, Truthfully, I think it saved me. Like it really saved my life in a lot of ways because I don't know what I would be doing if that didn't happen. Yeah. Seriously. I if, feel that. <laughs> if, yeah. I mean, you talk about like your back being against yeah. the wall in the call center and then saying, I'm just going to join Breathe. Yeah. And that's when you talk about going all in. Mine's very similar. So I love it when he tells a story because it's a, it's a really good testament of why it's so important never to burn a bridge. Yeah. I mean, that's why I get frustrated. And you've seen me get frustrated before when I hear some of the cattiness or like, oh, I don't, I don't like working with this person. I don't like working with them. And I'm just like, just stop it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, it's, it's, it's so like superficial or like, or uh, there's bigger problems, yeah. you know. And some people, especially in this industry, I mean, we could probably hate each other right now. Yeah. You know, through some of the stuff that we went through and it wasn't even that bad. Right. You know, and there's actually certain individuals who are not here today yeah. because of some of those thinking. So. Hundred percent. Yeah. So if you're listening, I mean, that's that, that's really think about that. You know, about how important it is to never, never ever burn a bridge. You know, yeah. even if you feel, you know, slighted or or what, whatever you're feeling, it's just you always got to just move past it and, and and always be hopeful for the future. Well, relationships are everything. I mean, yeah. just at this table, I mean, I can think about the dynamic and the relationships that we all have individually and together and collectively and how much more powerful we are together as a group yeah. than we are individually. Yeah. And there's, like you said, there's been a hundred situations where we could all point the fingers at each other yeah. and say, well, oh, you know, if Grant didn't do that, well, if Heather didn't do this with Marshall, then I would be X, Y, Z, you yeah. know? But you don't focus on 
how you got here. Right. Not only that, but it's like if you're holding a grudge, that just takes out so much negative energy out of your body that you could be putting towards something good. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. took me so long to, to, to learn that. I mean, it's something I still work on, but it took me so long to learn that. Yeah. yeah. It takes a lot of grace to, to look at someone and be like, okay, well, this happened and, you know, but time heals all wounds and understanding that you're probably not the same person. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but chances are, you know, it's still worth moving forward and, and trying again. So. Well, your network is everything. Mm-hmm. And not in just in this business, but in business in general and in life. I mean, your network, who you know, and how you work together and how you, you utilize each other is, is really what makes the biggest impact. Yep. You know, because if we could, if any of us could do this, this entire thing front to back by ourselves, we would do it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> or you'd see, let's say you'd see a hundred people doing it, yeah. you know, because they're capable of it. But it, it takes a really great group of people who know how to work together to make things like this happen. And I think that's a, like you said, like a testament to what happens when you don't burn bridges. Yeah. When you just find ways to claw back through things. Yeah. And when you realize, like, unless something egregious has happened, truly egregious. Like malicious. Like, that's where I draw the line. Right. Like, I can live with mistakes or I can be, I can have understanding of another party of how they thought at the time. But when it's just downright, like, calculated maliciousness, that's yes. when I completely, you're cut out. Yeah. Right. You know, Everything up until that point. Yeah. We can sit down. We can figure it out. We can yeah. work over it, you know. So, yeah, that's, that's, uh. That's the long story yeah. kind of, of of how we ended up continuing to work together and how we got to I like how stage. she just flipped the script on us. Yeah, it's great. Like, I'm gonna ask you some some, some deep questions. Yeah. <laughs> this honestly this is this is fun. I mean, this has been some of the the, the best fun I've had in, in the podcast is when they end up asking us questions. Yeah. And it makes me realize like I didn't realize that a lot of people didn't even know some of this stuff. Yeah. Well folks know? that are like really close to us know it, but yeah. I, I think it's good to know like kinda how we got here. Yeah. 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 I appreciate that. Well, you got anything else while you're all crawled up in our brains already? Yeah, um, anything else you want to poke at? I don't think so. No, yeah. It. yeah. So <laughs> one of the things that I did on the last one, oh, I want to leave it open to you to give any kind of uh, shout out or praise or talk about anything directly like, with your staff. Any, any individual who's done a specific thing or just in general that you really appreciate? Uh, um, I mean, I love, I love all my staff. Honestly, but I mean, the the main people who really like are my rocks are like Annie, Shara, and and Erica. Those are my like three go to girls that I know will drop anything for me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and those are three rock stars. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah when, I, when I think about rock stars in the company, those definitely definitely make the list. Yeah. Uh, anybody you know from the old days you want to shout out in case they come listening? Um. I mean, of course, Mel, like, like, I love, I love her. <laughs> um, Sean and Deanne, if you ever listen to it. Yeah, I mean, I loved them. I love them. I mean, I'm... I know Deanne were, was beloved by a lot yeah. of the girls. Well, I, yeah. I think it was, someone was telling me just how passionate her meetings were sometimes about her story of, like... I think it was Nicole. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, you know, she would but, always explain everything about, you know, how she would, you know, do things herself in her own personal life and how, yeah. it, you know, she would put it in the business and... I mean, I think for us, I mean, for me personally, because I had, I had been exposed to Breathe earlier, I was like, I look, used to look at Sean and Deanne and I'd be like, wow, like these are some big shoes to fill. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Like that's. Yeah. When we first came in, I, I, know, I rarely see Marshall nervous. Yeah. And when we first took over, he was like super nervous about how he's being perceived and how he speaks <laughs> and like how he doesn't mess up the current flow because I think they had just built, they truthfully built something so incredible that's a legacy in Vegas. Yeah. I mean, people know a lot about, you know, about the company. Mm-hmm. And it has a lot to do with their passion. Yep. You know. 
Very true. So, all right. Well, I think uh, you got no, nothing else out there? I don't think so. Well, it was a pleasure having you on. Thank yeah. you so much for taking the time to do this. For those of you that don't know, Heather doesn't enjoy public speaking, so I yes, think she no, did an not. awesome job. <laughs> yeah. Awesome job filtering all of our difficult questions and our aloof ones. Um, who would? Oh, how about and this? And you sold an eighteen for three hundred and fifty-five dollars. Let's go. All right. Uh, didn't we do this last time too? Is there anybody that you would nominate within the company to do the next podcast? Or do a, a, pack, uh, a, a um, one podcast with us. I'm losing my voice. Oh, God. I don't know. Yeah, right? Tough question. That is a tough question. Um, Somebody that might have something interesting to talk about. It doesn't have to be about work. I don't know. That's a... <laughs> okay. I'm That's not cool. sure. I'm, I'm really surprised you didn't put Mel under the bus. I'm not sure. I mean, of course, I was thinking Mel, but I mean... <laughs> If we interview Mel, it's going to be all about you. <laughs> like, tell us every embarrassing story you have. She has so many. Go right ahead. Yeah. yeah. Go right ahead. They're good ones. We'll do that. Okay. Lots of good ones. <laughs> all right. Well, thank right. you for joining us. You're thank very you, welcome. Uh, Until next time, thank you, and uh, talk to you later. So, guys, please join us uh, next week when we have uh, the Armenian better, the master of NFTs and all things NFT-related. Sup, 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 So all y'all wondering what's up with the SupDuck stuff, you're about to hear exactly the, the influence behind a lot of this on our, our crazy journey into the NFT world that we've been experiencing. Well, yeah. Yeah. SupDucks. SupDucks. King Toads. King, King Frogs. King thick frogs, Boys. Thick Boys. <laughs> we'll talk about all that and more next week. Please join us. Thank you.